you love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? This is State of My Sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the State of My Sports. That's right, everyone. This is State of My Sports, and this is episode 131. We're going to talk about our first undefeated football weekend of the season, which is pretty pretty exciting. The Lions got a tie. Um, <laughs> yep, a tie. We're going to celebrate that a little bit. Uh, celebrate a tie. Yep. <laughs> Michigan had a nice nice uh, road win. Michigan State bounced back nicely uh, to keep everything in front of them. Uh, with baseball season officially over, we're going to talk about the hot stove, it, rumors that are all swirling, uh, some signings and trades that the Tigers have made already. Um, they got to take another step in the right direction. So we're hoping that they can, and we're going to talk about how they can do that. That's kind of our goal here. Um, we're going to make our picks against the spread in our betting hero segment. Uh, great our Siciliano's Market Michigan Beers. Uh, if you're joining us on, on uh, live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, I mean, we're, we're trying to do as much as we can, um, different things here. So join us and be part of the conversation. Uh, we're, we've got the streaming the comments here, so hopefully we can get some comments. We'll read them and ask us questions, all that all that good stuff. Also, let us know what you're drinking tonight if you're, if you're sipping on anything nice. Um, I'm Sam Waldhart with me today. we got Ryan Waldhart. We're, we're ready to drink some beer, man. Yeah. Who, who else is here? Just just us. Oh, okay, perfect. So, I mean, we got a little new setup here, which I feel pretty good about. Yeah, this is nice. Um, I like it. And there's different cameras. So I'm trying my best not to get distracted with what's going on over there. So yeah. if I am, Ryan, already, I already gave him permission to hit me to get just, me back on just track. Just hit some space bars here and there, and it'll just <laughs> we'll fade, be, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just toggle between the cameras. <laughs> Before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. The Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery of State of My Sports. Siciliano's Market helps us pick out the best craft beer from the state of Michigan. Mac Web Design helped us get our website up and running. And Betting Hero helps you and us get the best. You and us? That didn't sound right. Us and you. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't sound right. You but and we. You and we. <laughs> still me. Um, get the best promotions in the sports betting world. Um, so check out all of our sponsors and, and let them know that we sent you. Um, man, how, how, was, how was your week, Ryan? Um, it was good. It was actually, we laid low quite a bit most weekend and um i don't know i just i got back to what i felt like i hadn't been doing in a while it's just like spend a ton of time with the kids and yeah. just played and yeah had a lot of fun that's good yeah it, so it's it, it kind of needed needed yeah. time together with the family yeah no for sure we got vacation coming up that's, i know that's really what is that so we leave what week is it sun- i leave sunday after thanksgiving you leave I, le- I leave uh, on Friday. Friday? Yeah. Man. Right after the day after Thanksgiving, I will be driving down to Alabama, staying there for two nights, and then driving the rest of the way to Florida. Nice. So we do have one episode before we can officially go on vacation, right? We do, yeah. yeah. And more. actually, I think I, I was talking to Micah, so I'm gonna be, we're going to be gone on Tuesday, so I don't know if we're going to skip an episode. I think me and Micah should record an episode on Saturday night. 
Oh, beforehand? Yeah, because it's after the Michigan. We're not going to do anything game. on our phones while we're there, right? That would no, be too cheesy. Yeah, 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 we're not going to do that. Too difficult. No, no editing a, or anything break, like that. Right? Exactly. Yeah, we're taking <laughs> True a vacation. Yeah, it's a vacation from the podcast too. So we just got to get it out a, a day early. Okay. Or a couple days. Yeah, early, I think you guys should do that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be right after the last weekend of college, so you, you we're going to have a lot to talk about. You today. should talk about all three options of like what happened with the Lions. Be like, in a win, <laughs> in a tie, because you got to go there now because they've done yeah, it, yeah, and then true. in a loss, and then just the feeling of that, and then you can choose whatever one happens on Sunday while you're flying there and post it. I almost think they have a better chance of tying another game than winning a game. Yeah, that's true. You could just cut it <laughs> just down cut and the, just say yeah. tie and loss. Exactly. Um, but the uh, the rankings just come out. College football, a uh, little bit of a shakeup. I think Oklahoma with Oklahoma losing, what were they? I think they were what? Eighth? They were right behind Michigan and Michigan State. I yeah. Think. And they were the lowest ranked undefeated team for the most part. Yeah, nobody believed in them. Right? Um, for, rightfully so. They think they, they kind of they didn't really have any good wins and they looked bad in other games. And then they finally got the loss. And I think that's that's really important for the, the top of the, the ranking. So the, the top seven didn't change. So it's still Georgia, Bama, Oregon, OSU, Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State. Um, nothing too crazy to talk about. Um, there, it's just kind of, I mean, that that was the team that I think we were worried about because they did have a couple potential big wins uh, still available on their schedule yep. that that could have made them jump. And we know how this works, right? At the end of the year, all undefeated teams in the Power Five conferences will jump at the end, leapfrog everybody, and mm-hmm. then all the teams that are not part of the Power Five conferences will take a step back at the end. Yep, I agree with you there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the last. So there's what two weeks left. Before the the conference championships, um, I mean, everything's in front of Michigan and Michigan State here. I mean, they got both got OSU here in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Um. So that that'll kind of take care of itself. Cincinnati will be interesting. No, nothing too crazy. Um. But we were talking about Oregon a little bit before before we started. They're they're actually a three point underdog this week at uh yeah. twenty three Utah. I don't get it. I thought that was a really strange line. Um, usually when Vegas has something out like that. It gets it changes quick. Is there it hasn't? So is that's there really like a key injury or COVID response that we're not aware of? Maybe keep your eye on that if you're if you're putting money down on this game. Yeah, I mean, right here, right now, it's like seems like easy money, right? Yeah, it I does. said that with with uh, Michigan State against Purdue as well. But um, I don't know. It, it'll just be interesting. Nothing too crazy happened, so it's not not really worth getting into too much uh, of the the rankings. It's just it's cool. I mean, this time last year. We didn't have meaningful games for yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, and here we are. Like they're both looking. They're, it feels like both of them have their hand in their, like they're everything. Everything's still in front of them. In a well, lot of ways. And, and I mean, we've tried to do a good job on this podcast about keeping things in perspective. You know, from our feelings going into the season, and this is just another example of that. Like, how cool is this? With two weeks left, that we have two top ten teams in the state of Michigan back to back. Right, six and seven. Yeah. They're they're awesome. It's just a lot of fun, you know. Like too bad state lost to the the game against Purdue because I feel like you kind of threw away a big opportunity. But like you said, they they really didn't yet because all they have to do is take care of business against Ohio State, which they were going to have to do either way. Yeah, no, it's true. It, that that loss it felt like a lot, but it really it didn't affect a whole lot. No, because if, it's just a number. They, it's not. It's a number in front yeah, of their name at this point. You take care of business, you're you're going to get in. Um, basically, just. You had one game to lose, and they, they lost it. That's basically where it was at, and everything's still there. And then you got Michigan looking in, um, you know, obviously sitting here. We'll get into the Michigan-Michigan State. We don't need to get all of our, yeah, our Michigan. True. Let's just introduce our beers here. 
Yeah. It is I'll... time to introduce oh. our Michigan beers for this episode, <laughs> but before we do, I want to remind everyone of our partner, Sicily Annals Market. They are simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State University's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether they know what you want or need some help from their expert staff, Sicily Annals Market is the best place for that. They not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beers from across our great nation, they are individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. They obviously have a great selection of craft beer, they also have specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. Siciliano's Market also has the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. We love that Siciliano's Market is part of the State of Mind Sports family, and it is who we visit to help us choose our Michigan beers for each and every episode. So please check them out and let them know that we sent you. Ryan, what are you drinking today? Oh, sorry, I had to unmute myself. No, you're good. Um... I am drinking from Sheboygan Brewing Company Blueberry Cream Ale, and we were we were talking going into this. I don't have we done this one before on the podcast or I no? Don't, I know we've done a Sheboygan. I think it was a honey uh, one. I don't think we've done their, their cream ale. We've done a cream ale, um, but I, I couldn't tell you what, which one it was. So honestly. this is a light bodied ale brewed with lactose, sugar, and fermented uh, over blueberries, fresh fruit aroma. Bursts from this deliciously creamy brew, and it definitely holds true to its name. The blueberry is is more of like a side flavor. It's in the background with this beer. It's it's more of the cream flavor, and then it's got the little fruity finish to it. But it's not overpowering. Really good, um, easy to drink blend. It's five point six percent alcohol and fourteen IBUs. So fourteen kind of shows you on the lower end of that like strong, um, you know, beer flavor. I guess. Very nice. I'm drinking uh, All Seasons Ale, and this is from Tri-City Brewing Company, um, which is in Bay City, Michigan. Where's Bay City? Bay City is uh, right around the, the thumb, right? Is it? Yeah. So, so it's is just, it kind of below the thumb? It's it's um, north. Uh, like below the thumb, but north of... Um, it's, matter, it's not right? in the thumb, but it's like above. It's a little bit north. So if you were in the thumb, but it's on the mainland side. Gotcha. That doesn't make any sense. I gotcha. Okay, I got it. Nobody's listening anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> People are just like, just tell us what you're drinking yeah. and move on. Just move on. Um, they say it's an easy drinking beer uh, that is never out of season. So, um, I mean, it's an ale. Very easy to drink. Uh, can't go wrong with ales. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. I've had... I think this is my first one. Yeah, I'm still in the middle of my first one. Let's move on. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. So as I mentioned in the intro, the Detroit Lions did not lose, which is awesome. Uh, nice change of pace here. Uh, they, they went into the put. They went into the playoff contending Pittsburgh Steelers house and pulled out a nice 16-16 to tie. Um, all joking aside, I mean, when we it found... It kind of was a nice 16-16 <laughs> tie. It was such a weird game. It was, it was also terrible, but yeah. It felt like such it. a waste of time after I turned it off. I was like, why did I just do that? Like, it just... I was cracking up. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> Ari and I sat on the couch and watched the whole game together, and it was a ton of fun. And he just kept asking question after question. <laughs> at the end, he's looking at me. He's like, 
why are the Lions so bad at kicking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, it's a great question. You know what? In past years, that's the one position that we could actually say was pretty good, like yeah. above average to really, really good. Well, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, With Jason Anson and Prater, yeah. we had a good stretch there. And I'm like, well, I don't know, buddy. It's just not their year for it. Was, it. it was rough, rough watch. Um, I mean, really, when we found out that that uh, Big Ben wasn't going to play, it kind of changed some things. I think we were went into it, um, being like a guaranteed loss, and then it was like, man, this. This could be the one, you know, that gets him off the, the schneid, if you will. Um, coming off the bye, Jared Goff went 14 of 25 for 114 yards. And about 113 of those are probably in overtime, right? <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> um, with Jamal Williams out again, Swift had 33 carries for 130 yards rushing for a 3.9 average. Uh, Jamar Jefferson had, a four, had 41 yards on three carries in the 28-yard touchdown run before getting hurt. And then Iguabuike? Iguabuike? I got to see it first. I'm trying to find it on the uh, sheet. He had 56 yards on, on two carries, which included a uh, 42-yard rushing touchdown. Uh, Santos missed an extra point and missed a potential game-winning 48-yard field goal in overtime. The defense had three takeaways, but really, I mean, just ugly, ugly football game. Yeah. Very, very ugly. Um, that, I mean, I just wish the Lions found a way to win so I could kind of get that that winless season out of out of the way. And here, here I am as a fan, like it, feeling like it matters. Like I cannot imagine. They, they probably feel the exact same way. Well, they what just is, need this first win, and then you can just put yeah. that behind you, right? Yeah, because you don't want to be known as the only winless team to not, you know, to just have a tie in there too. Because we've done the 0-16. Okay, so we checked the box for not being 0-17, but how how embarrassing would it be to be 0-16-1? I feel like that would be more embarrassing than 0-17 I think so too. in a lot of ways. Even, even 0-16, like looking back at the two years, if we do go 0-16-1, like the 1 makes it, <laughs> makes it so much worse than just the 0-16. It's like at least we knew we were bad. We don't even know what we are at this point. Yeah. It's we're just bad who weirdest, ties games we should win. It's one of the weirdest Game. It's it's such a weird team to watch. So I mean, let, let's start with with Goff. Fighting some injuries and stuff is never easy. But man, 113 yards. What was that? I don't know, man. It it's weird. That I guess there, me... there are rumors that he might not be playing this weekend. Yeah, I kind of heard that too, and I don't even know. I I heard it was a um, what a abdominal abdominal yeah, like side saying? strain or something yeah. like that. The pain that he had there. Look, if if you're not capable of throwing the ball, then then you know next guy up. That's the way it should be. Yeah, and and I don't think David Blau is a good quarterback. I'm not. I'm not. You he's know, brainwashed. Two out of three snaps he's taken this year. <laughs> right, <laughs> but he can throw the ball. He can at least throw the ball down the field, he's and healthy. it might get picked, and it yeah. might be. Yeah, but he's healthy, and yep. and you. That's what. That's what he's there for. Yep. And uh, do you think so? Dan Campbell was on uh, 97 won the ticket. Uh, it was either yesterday or today. I guess it doesn't really matter. But like. Uh, Dan Campbell was asked, like, did you think about pulling him? And he goes, yeah, we, we thought about it. And they're like, do you wish you did? And he's like, well, I I just trusted the doctors and, and yeah. trusted my gut. And he, it seemed like he was second-guessing himself of keeping him in that game. Well, and I and I think there there might be some things that he was not trying to – that he was trying to keep away from, you know, people understanding, like, what was going through his mind, uh, keeping things a little bit secret, close to the chest. Whatever. Yeah, yep. Um, and it and probably this is this is I'm just gonna go out on a tangent here. This is the way if I'm putting myself in his shoes, 
this is the way I would want to see that. Sorry, Dan Campbell's shoes? And Dan Campbell. Okay, if I'm right. jumping into his mind, this is the way I'd see the game. I would say, okay, the only thing that's going to work either way with quarterback Goff or or backup quarterback Blau is going to be the run game. Yep. They found something that started working midway through the game. They ran with their two tight end set, extra linemen. Extra, yeah, the extra lineman thing was crazy With the watch. two tight ends. like They were just out there to block, and that was it. They were not fooling anybody, and, and the Steelers could not react to it. At that time, at least. Yeah, they had over 200 yards rushing. That's that's for people that don't watch every Lions game. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Doesn't and we, happen. And we just we went on a dominant stretch there where we were running, rushing the ball second and 12 and getting first downs. We were running running the ball third and six, third and seven, and getting first downs, mm-hmm. and then running with some more, and they couldn't do anything. We were just doing the same play left, same play right. Yeah. So in his mind, I guarantee he's like, well, at least I have Goff out there. I haven't formally admitted that there's something going on with him, and the defense can't fully commit against it. Yep. And that and that's kind of where my head is at because maybe they were trying to still decide how much he could throw the ball or you know how serious the injury was and that was probably going on middle of the game when this kind of stretch happened and then at that point it's like what are you going to do bring in Blau for the last drive of the game and go lose a game by you know throwing your first then then everybody's going to question that right exactly yeah um yeah I mean I I didn't know what to think about it I I didn't realize it was as bad as it was but then I'm like like going back and like they were literally like wrapping him in like medical tape or whatever and then taking it off so he could go out in the field. It's like, wait, if he like, were they heating? He, he's in that much pain, like that he has to be wrapped for a three minute drive around the sideline or whatever. It's like, man, I, it seemed it seemed very odd. And he seemed question. He seemed to almost be second guessing himself in his decision to keep Goffin. Um, it was it was bad. And I will say this was this was also it's worth noting uh, Dan Campbell's first game calling plays. That's a good point. What do you think about that? Well, he's a self admitted non. Coordinator, coordinator, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not X's and O's guy, but rather a leader of men. So, yeah, um, what did you think? I like it. I you like do. it. Okay. I, I like it because it is holding his own guys accountable. Yeah, exactly what he claimed he would do as head coach coming in. And so, if he felt like, look, this is not getting done the way I want it done, I'm going to take over. I'm going to hold you accountable that you're not doing a good enough job. Then it's at least providing the the optics to the rest of the team that like you know what this isn't good enough yet i'm gonna take i'm gonna step in and say we're gonna change something we're gonna do something different we're gonna do something better and guess what they didn't lose they tied yeah do you think it was almost like a so he can he knows what's being said to goff like it's almost it, it as much as he put anthony lynn on notice and be like hey i'm gonna take over play calling he just kind of it almost felt like he was testing Goff a little bit more. 100%. And being like, look, I know what's being relayed to you now. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if he could hear, like, I don't know how there, all of the sound he's the only one. stuff works. But you, like, there's only one person that, that talk gets to, to talk back and forth with Goff. Yeah. And I, I'm curious if that was like his final straw being like, okay, what's actually really going on? You know what I mean? Like, if he's the one controlling it and making these decisions and specifically saying to Goff, X, Y, and Z, and he's not getting X, Y, and Z, he's getting A, B, and C, now he can be like, you are at fault here. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. And and they're kind of going back and forth. A lot of the sports talk is like, well, you just signed Anthony Lynn's uh, death certificate, basically. Like, he's gone. He's not going to stay. You demoted him and all that stuff. It it almost felt like there was more behind that decision. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think Anthony Lynn's called a good um, offensive game by any means, but I also don't think he has much to work with. And I, I'm really <laughs> starting to think Goff is just does not give a crap right now. 
Like, I feel like he is just done in the NFL. Like, he doesn't even want to be there. It's really strange to see. Um, but he says all the right things. He's a good guy when when he when he's talking. So I was just like, man, yeah, uh, it's tough. Yeah, I'm I'm over him. I'm, you guys have known that for yeah. for a long time at this point. Um, but this season is also not just a lost season in my mind. We, we we're getting a really good draft pick next year. Yeah, that's important to me as a fan. That yeah, we are from the beginning of the year. We knew we were not going to be good. Now. I went on record and said this is not a winless team. We have more. We have too much talent for that, and it's taken a draft, mock draft stock or, or no? Yeah. I'm game. <laughs> Number one overall. The pick is in. Yeah. <laughs> Kayvon oh. Thibodeau. There we go. <laughs> no, sorry, I cut or, you off. There, or or some of the uh, Michigan ends, either one or Dabo. <laughs> right. Uh, I did hear a crazy stat that air yards. I guess that's like a really popular thing. Um, with Cor- he had his average throw was five air yards. So it's not even yards. It's, I mean, if you just want to call it a yard, I think the down. I think the completions were like two yards uh, an attempt. It's down, absolutely downfield. That's, that's scary, and that's not even that's not injury. An injured quarterback can throw the ball fifteen yards. Yeah, like I'm sorry. Yeah, and but I don't that, know how the, how much how structured you want this discussion to be, but and then you know, like in overtime. When we are in good field position, and all we need to do is kind of chip our way a little bit closer, now he becomes aggressive. Now he throws the ball down the field 13, 15 yards. It's yeah. like if you were incapable of throwing the the ball 15, 20 yards down the field for the entire game, why are you doing it right now? Yeah. Like that that hurt us. And then, you know, like he's they're running these deep routes and stuff, and he's trying to throw a ball 15 yards and then he gets sacked and fumbled it's like oh my gosh what are you doing how many how check it down that's the only time people want you to check it down move the ball 5 10 12 yards at a time at that point yeah dan orlovsky's famous for running out of the back of the end zone yeah i feel like goff's famous for trying a spin move this, out of the right into somebody the slowest the, s- the slowest spin into the <laughs> into end. the sack <laughs> it's so bad like why does he do that i didn't know any better and i'm not going to question a guy's like manhood or anything like that like but it almost seems like he's trying to sabotage his team more than help this team that's honestly how bad it has been and that's a that's a scary no i agree me. with you i i don't i don't remember like if you watch the game there are not many times where he steps up into the pocket and and then makes a throw. Like no. they're all they're all really quick throws or he starts like kind of rolling right and left and then checking down. But very rarely does he step up into the pocket and throw the ball 10 plus yards down the field. Like we see that more out of Cade McNamara. We do. Yeah. Right? I mean that that's and that's not saying a lot because he checks the ball down to you know, across yeah, the mean, middle yeah. all the time. Yep. But but at least you know, like to get away from a rush, he understands to move forward. Goff just turns his back and starts running backwards to like do this most unathletic spin I've ever seen. Yeah, and he gets sacked. You're you're right about that. You're spot on. It that is, that move is ter- like insanely so bad. bad. I can't imagine it being worse. It's really bad. All right, real real quick, I'm gonna throw out some numbers here. St. Brown, uh, four catches, 61 yards. T.J. Hawkinson, one target, zero catches. I think he had two holding penalties. It was yeah. one of them chop block, maybe. I guess it doesn't matter. The chop block was called, or it was declined, I guess. Was it? Okay. Yeah. But he had two penalties that were accepted, I think, and then another one, another one that was declined, yep. maybe. Um, is this becoming a growing concern, or is this just what we just talked about with, with Goff, and he's our one weapon, and just it's just not there? Like, what? what this, I, this, I don't know what to, to think me, about him. To me, this is on Goff. This, this game, well, I mean, 
you look at the conditions of the game, it was not an easy game to play in. Yeah. If Big Ben was out there, it was going to be sloppy for him too. Like the receivers were fumbling, everybody was dropping balls left and right. Yeah. That was the nature of the game. So, so let's take a little bit of you know, like Hawkinson's, what one two weeks removed from eight catches, nine catches, and and a ton of yards. Like this is not on Hawkinson. That this is on the play calling throughout the game, the conditions of the game, and Goff's inability to throw the ball. Yeah, um, Josh Reynolds claimed off waivers. Uh, he didn't play on Sunday, but should be able to play this weekend. Definitely walks in and is our best wide receiver, right? Um, not he's not anything to get too excited about, but you look at our, our leading wide receivers is uh, Khalif Raymond with 363 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, I would be sh- I would not be surprised. Like let's let's say Goff either learns how to throw the ball or they move on from him. Um, I could see Reynolds being our leading receiver in both touchdowns and yards by the end of the season. Is that is that fair? That he's out of the wide the receiver season? group. Out of wide receiver group. I I. Don't I mean, think I'm it's out of the question. I mean, Ross St. Brown could probably. Well, it's not out of the question, though. You're right, yeah. <laughs> That's just crazy to think about. Um, Swift had a really good game. Really cool to see him get 130 yards. Nice to see a, a guy get 100, over 100 yards in Detroit. That doesn't happen often. Um, we should raise a banner or something like that. Um, but Decker uh, came back as well, uh, made the O-line look better. I love the way that, that um, they brought in the extra lineman that we already talked about. But I, I think both Decker – I mean – he looked a little rusty at times, but yeah, really a few times. But just solid. Yeah. And I thought Sewell, you didn't notice him, and that's exactly what you want from your right tackle. I thought they both played very well, and that was a sign of what this they wanted this to be. There you go. Surprise, surprise! You know, Penny Sewell goes to the right side, and he looks just as comfortable over there as he does on the left side. The whole like preseason freak out that Penny Sewell was an absolute bust and it was the worst pick ever was just unfounded. Like it. It never surprises me. Well, you know, I take it back. It actually always surprises me how quick or how fast fans react the wrong way. Yeah. Like I, I am a pretty, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of sports, but I'm pretty reserved in my thoughts because I, I try to think of things from like the real world. Like, well, look, rookie, you know, this situation, preseason, whatever. He's matched up against the Bears. Like you got yeah. beat inside twice out of the game. Yeah, that happens. People freak out about the dumbest things, <laughs> and they just like want to draw the biggest conclusions. He looked good on the right side. That was a huge thing to me. I, I'm really happy to see it, and I think bringing Taylor Decker back to this offensive line only helps it so much more than than w- where this was going with our right tackle out, our center out, you know, our left tackle out, having to move our right to our left. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was getting to a point where this was starting to become a real, real concern, and this just gives a little bit more stability to that. It group. helps see the vision. And it helps see why you drafted Sewell when you did. Obviously, it didn't look like. I mean, you see all these wide receivers going off, and um, you know, just players that are making more of an impact. But offense linemen don't make impact, you know. But now, when when you see the built, and we're still missing a Pro Bowl center, so don't, <laughs> yeah, that's top, another top two, three, and crazy uh, thing like. This offensive line will make this offense better, um, and and I'm we're starting to see it, and that's exciting to see. And I like that Decker's back. I think he's really important for a guy like Sewell to learn from, to intru- learn how to be a professional. Yeah. So the day uh, at, immediately after the game, he went on record and started trashing the the Detroit media and did all this stuff. I I don't need to get like your full thoughts on it, but that I want to tell you my perspective first because I feel like I I feel like I think he was. 
people are trashing him pretty hard for it. And I'm actually, I like where he came from. He okay. was just, he was saying more of like, hey guys, look, before you go out and jump all over me, a Detroit guy who's given a bunch of my life and my livelihood to this franchise, and I've gone through some tough years and I've worked my butt off and like, I'm really important. He, he has solidified himself as a top seven to 10 left tackle in all yeah. of football over the last couple of years. Yep. That is high praise for the most uh for the for the most talented position on the offensive line. He is an upper tier left tackle in the NFL. That is a that's saying a lot. Yep. So for us to just move on from him and like Detroit Sports wanted, like move get him out of there. Pene Sewell is gonna be a Hall of Famer. You put him over there and then build somewhere else. Wait, slow your roll a little bit. Taylor Decker adds a lot to this offensive line group. He is very, very good at what he does on the left side. Mm-hmm. He's trustworthy. So this is the Darius Slay situation coming right back to us. Are we going to draft Jeffrey Okuda and get rid of Darius Slay and say it's a one-for-one trade and we didn't get any better? And, in fact, Jeffrey Okuda is not as good as we thought he was, and he's hurt all the time. So now it's a negative. It's a yeah. it's minus to the team. That's the same type of situation that we're going to be looking at with this, and I think it was just fine for him to call at the media and say, screw you guys. I I am I am actually really good. I'm valuable to this team, and I've given a lot to this team. You guys throw me aside, yeah. For what? For me doing you know having hand issues that I couldn't do anything about. Yeah. No, I I get it, and I I I do agree with you. I'm I'm okay with him calling out the media for for all of that crap. Um, I feel like he did kind of call out fans, and I'm never a fan of that because I don't think you can win. Like you're not you're never gonna win calling out fans. And when I hear that and like all the stuff that the lines are going through. And I'm sure Decker's sitting there frustrated as all get out for where he's at. That he can't like, join. That he the can't team. join. Like, well, not not only that, but like, this is gonna be. This is gonna take some time. This isn't gonna be an easy rebuild or anything like that. Um, and I feel like if if he's already, if he's mad at something, like it could just turn into being like, all right, I'm done. You know what I mean? And that's it. Almost felt like closer to the beginning of the end rather than being like i am for this city i am this i'm this it was more like screw you guys screw your opinions i'm about to be done here anyways like that's where that's my fear i guess i get what you're saying i'm okay with people saying yeah mike valeni you're an idiot for calling out um <laughs> decker and his hand injury and you don't know the half of it yeah so don't pretend that you do like that was where but, that but was I, directed, right? Yeah, it was not, definitely at Valenti, I, I would not say. Not just him. The chorus after him kind of joined in. Yeah. But I think it was pointed like at the top toward, yeah. towards him. Yeah, that, that's the way I, I felt it. He did say fans, which, I, I again, I don't like no, that. No, he didn't. He, he, said, he said a lot of fans and everybody in this building knows what I bring to the oh, table okay. and they're appreciative of me. That yeah, yeah, so he actually said that the fans were on his side and then he uh, – specifically targeted what he was saying to the media. Okay. And, and the part of me, like I don't disagree with your rationale or anybody's rationale for wanting to move on or even being upset for him saying this because he's kind of acting like a little bit of a crybaby. I get that. What I really like about it is I, I share his same disdain of media in general. Yeah. <laughs> and their, their ability to just forget and like lose logic and reality and whatever they say. And because they were just jumping away. Again, this was like, look at this amazing line that we put together. He has a hand injury. Penny Sue moves over there and screw him. He's trash. Yeah. Trade him. Get rid of him. Whatever. Don't bring him back. Let Penny Sue will do there. Or stay on the left side. He's like, 
guys, how can you be so absurd? Like, the, the, yeah. I will make this line better, and yeah. we're, we're, we'll see it that way. No, I, I, I do agree with that. It, well, I guess we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't turn into more. You know what I mean? It, I hope yeah. media doesn't come back and, and grill him and it turn into be like, screw you guys, double middle. Yeah, it out. shouldn't you know be a I mean? back and forth. I hope it doesn't turn to that. And it's really on him to be the bigger man at this point. Yes. And yep. I hope he, he got He, he got it out of his system, yes. and hopefully he can just move on from it. Yep. You want to cue that? From the Red Wings to Michigan State, we're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. I have a... I have a question for you before we jump into Michigan here. Yeah, what's up? Did you remove the Pistons and the Red Wings talk from this week because you felt like it would be too long? I did, yeah. So I didn't think there was enough to really talk about. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of dig into the um, the playoffs a little bit more. Um, did you have something that you were interested in talk, bringing up for the Pistons? Well, we could we could make it short for both. If we want to do it at the like very a, end? Yeah. Let's, hold at me, the very hold end, me accountable for at it. At the very we, end, yeah. let's do like a maximum of two minutes per team. All right. that, that's it. Just, that's, a, just a quick touch on both of them. That sounds great. Michigan went into Happy Valley and beat the Nittany Lions 21-17 after Eric All scored a 47-yard touchdown with three minutes and 29 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Awesome. To retake the lead 21-17, which ended up being the final score. Um, the defense kind of finished things off after that. Cade had a solid game going 19 of 29 for 217 yards, uh, but the three touchdowns, two to Roman Wilson and one to All, was was great to see. Um, great great throws. I, obviously, the Eric All one was, was pretty a simple throw, well-designed play, but the two throws to Roman Wilson I thought were um, – Throws that we're really, really excited to see and need to see heading into the big weeks here coming up. Uh, with Coram out, Haskins was a beast with 156 yards on 31 carries, uh, five-yard average, and an additional 45 yards with five catches through the air. The defense led this team once again uh, by beating up Clifford with seven sacks, led by Hutchinson with three, Ajabo with two, uh, and Insane. containing Dotson to only 61 yards on nine catches. Um was this a statement victory? No, I don't personally think it was. However, I, I, I don't think you can just throw it away because it is going into Happy Valley, and I know people unranked, blah, blah, blah. Well, they were ranked in the AP. They so were. So let's keep that. Like, If you want to use that as an argument, historically, then be consistent with the AP, and we'll, we'll have that Historically, this will go down as a as an AP top 25 team. Yep, exactly. And when it comes to Harbaugh and, and his big wins argument, I, I would consider this closer to a big win than not. That's where I'm at. Where are you at? With, with Would you consider that a big win? I consider that a huge win. Huge win for all the reasons you just said, or, or really just going into Happy Valley. You know, this is an AP Top 25 team. Penn State, just a few weeks ago, was ranked in the top three in the nation. And and this was, this was a major test because Penn State's one of those teams that has elite defensive prospects, elite offensive prospects on both sides of the ball. They have a, a slippery quarterback who you could blame his injury for their first loss against Iowa, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yep. if he doesn't get injured, they probably win that game. They're probably in the top 15. There you go. <laughs> and it just makes them look even better and maybe more momentum on their side to, to pull off another one. Yep. You know, they're they're a really good team, and they have a lot of talent on their team. And Michigan overcame a lot of issues. They, they overcame the atmosphere in, in Happy Valley. They overcame the talent on the other side of the ball, and they showed they were more talented. They were more solid they could make the big plays when they needed them as yep. opposed to Penn State they stepped up to the challenge and and I think that you know 
this is the, again the type of game that previous teams would have lost. Yep, and that's exactly what I like. This was a growing up win. You know what I mean? Because like you said, these are the games that people would kill Harbaugh for losing. They would have destroyed Harbaugh for losing this game, rightfully so, um, because the way that it all kind of went down there. But like, you got to give him credit for bouncing back. Yeah, it was a crazy. What was a forty-eight yard touchdown run, whatever pass, whatever it was. It was. A, a great play, well designed, and it sounds like they were they had it. They were saving that play for a particular time, and they were practicing it. They knew they had it, and man, and they they executed. And look, yeah, if you want to go in the is Penn State the normal Penn State? No, but it's just that, that it doesn't, doesn't matter. mean anything. And if and you're trying to like all the argument is all right, well you got to take another step. You got to be better than. The Penn State's of the world, the Wisconsin's of the world, the Michigan State's of the world. You got to beat them. You got to be better than, well, not even Michigan State heading into the year, but like, you got to be better than these teams. Okay, well, we are. Well, they're not as good. Yeah. Oh, wait, well, okay. Well, well they have one more which, loss on the record well, they should have. Which, yeah, because we which beat way them. Is yeah. It? yeah. And, and it's just <laughs> no, it's driving agree. me nuts. And here we are, Wisconsin's up in like top 15 now. Yeah, but so, you're not going to get, like, weeks ago, we don't get any credit for saying that was a good win. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so frustrating. It's just, you're, it's it's like politics. I feel like you're not changing anybody's mind, even though how, how right or wrong they are. And, and it's how, so hard to go in the like past just, and make something right. You like yeah. going in hindsight and saying, "See, I told you that was a good win." Only works at the end of the year, but in the middle of the year, nobody cares because they're they're worried about the next game. They're worried about what they just saw recently, yep. and they, they'll say something like, "Well, you didn't even use you know um, JJ this week, so they probably would have lost without JJ against Wisconsin." It's like, well. Whatever. Like <laughs> yeah, at the time, just, we we beat them. Okay. Yeah. So I and I think yes, it was a it was a big win. Was it a statement win? It was a statement for them inside the locker room. It was not a statement win across the board to the teams as a whole, like for the rest of the country. It doesn't. They're yeah. not on notice. It's not like they're going on notice saying like, uh oh, watch out for Michigan. But inside the locker room, that was important. They have yeah. to believe in this team. They have to believe in their coaches. They have to believe in the scheme. They have to believe in Harbaugh. They have to believe in themselves. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. And I think the defense needs to get a ton of credit, um, mainly because of the start. I don't want to like go drive by drive or anything, but I, this is like such a key part of this game. Um, where all right, so the first first drive, Penn State got the ball. Uh, I think they got a couple first downs. Fake punt, they got it. Michigan still held them to uh, a field goal. Got through it and, and held them to a field goal. Long drive, fake punt that. I'm sorry, but the dude number fourteen on, oh my Mich- on Michigan, like he was in the perfect spot. He should have picked. It. I, I'm so confused. Of he should have picked. He's it. Like stopped. He's just like looking <laughs> around, like weirdest. what do I do? Where's the ball? He was so confused, and then it just dropped in. Right, yeah. Yep. He was in the perfect spot, though. He, he really, yeah. He just got caught looking, at, and then one step behind. Pants um, down. second drive. Uh, so Michigan ended up getting the three out. Second drive. Uh, Penn State tried a, a fake field goal, which I mean. Another example of James Franklin dumb. being such an idiot coach. What a dumb play. Such a stupid play, stupid decision. Um, we'll get, we don't need to get into that much. But Michigan stopped them. Anyways, there was a point that, like, right after this, I think it was pretty much the first quarter, the majority of the first quarter, Penn State had 36 plays to Michigan's six offensive plays. And it was only three to nothing. Yep. Then Michigan took the ball, went down, took a lead. 7-3, eventually took a 7-6 lead into halftime. We cannot. When they should not have yeah. had a lead in that yep. game. Yep. And the defense stood their ground and 
played an unbelievable half, even though they were moving the ball on him at times. No, it was you're right. Absolutely insane. You're absolutely right. Um, it was just, it was, it was. I thought a a a perfect bend and not break defense. Um, at least in that first quarter, they were just containing. They were they were getting big plays, but then Penn Some. State would get a big play. And, and, and I remember like looking over at my dad, and he goes, "Man, they're kind of throwing everything at them." These first couple drives, aren't they? I'm like, yeah, I feel like they're desperate. They know that they're not going to have another another chance. And that's kind of what happened. Like, Midgen kind of suffocated them yeah. throughout the rest of the game up, up until the fourth quarter when, when things kind of took the, another turn. But, like, man, for 36-6 to six in play, offensive plays to start the game, and you ended up with a, with a lead and, and a lead heading into halftime, that's – that tells me something. And then the way that everything's kind of turned with, with the all-touchdown and the way that they responded in a very, very tough spot. Everybody expected them to lose that game. Everybody was like, see, told you, see, told you. And boom, they made the play, Big made play. the throw, well-designed play. And dude, that dude looks so uncomfortable running, uh, but he made it down. He's hurt, man. <laughs> yeah, he said his ankle hurt throughout <laughs> yeah. that whole run. But, I mean, I don't know. What, what did you think of, of I guess – I don't want to get too much into the game, but like that that side of it, at, at least, like, did, it, was that as big as I thought it was? What thirty six to six? The, just the oh, start huge. and well, holding it. I'm trying to remember the stat in that game because it, they brought it up on the broadcast, and it and it was something about like it was easily the biggest um, difference in, in number of plays for any team, any game this year. But I I want to say. Of all time, for to start a game really? in the first quarter, thirty six to six plays wise, like I, you do not get any more a bigger gap than that. Like, yeah. how do you have you, a thirty play difference in one quarter? That's insane, and I mean, that's scary for our offense. Like, that's yeah. not a comforting thing. Yeah, um, that's, that's get, a bad position and, to be in. You're right, though. The, the defense kept him in. Like, they were the reason they were still in this game at that point. Yeah, so Haskins, 31 carries, 156 yards, five a- five yards per carry, average awesome. I think he had, like, 46 yards in the first half. And they stuck with it. They kept pounding. Yep. They, and, and, that, and that's one thing that Michigan's done is they stick to it and they wear out your opponent. And the fact that they were able to do that again, let's let's go back to Wisconsin. They, they did that to Wisconsin. Now they just did it to Penn State. The two most talented teams that they've played. Don't get me wrong. Michigan State is a better team, but talent wise, they did that to the two most talented teams that they played. Yeah, that's eye opening for me for yeah. the offensive line and the sake of just we're gonna do it. We're gonna continue to do it, and that's gonna be key. Do I want them to just continue to run the ball and try to beat Ohio State that way? I mean, I don't want that to happen, but it seems like that's their ticket to do it. Well, but we've seen them, you know, they got, like, let's get into the, the uh, again, you don't want to go drive by drive, but if we go into the drive where they scored their first touchdown, that was a critical drive with big time plays. So there was, there was not a first down in the game yet at that point. They got a crossing route to Cornelius Johnson. He kind of went underneath the linebacker and then went around, and there was really good blocking on that play, and it was something for like 16, 20 yards. Yep. Big play, and they were deep in their own zone at that point. Then they went run ran the ball a couple of times, big third down conversions. Um, there, was, there was a third and 12, I believe, where they threw a screen pass to Hassan Haskins to keep that in their own zone, third and 12. They, they blitzed. 
And this was recognition by Cade Cunningham, but not only that, it was a great play call for Josh Gaddis. He threw the screen to the left side. They, uh, I think it was Eric Rall or one of the other um, – oh, Sander still. San, yeah. Sander still was pancaked, put on his back um, oh, as a really? blocker out front, and Haskins spun out of that. Oh. Remember, he like yeah. – Oh, yeah. Stiff yep. arm, spun, yep. yeah. picked up that first down. Those are uh, – to me, those are examples of big players making big-time plays. And Haskins right now, he is a he's a senior on this team. He's a big time player. He is. He is a gamer, man. And he this is who he is. This he is, is not yeah. just abnormal for him. This is a a standard game for him. If they gave him the ball thirty times every game, he would produce like this every game. Yeah. And these are these are Kenneth Walker numbers. They are. They are. They're, he just doesn't have that massive playability that right. we've seen yet. But he has the pounded out. He doesn't he's have the yeah. he's slippery. He is. He's good. And the one thing that I thought was awesome. What did I say? He had five catches um, and forty-five yards through the air. That's very, very important because without Quorum, you need to know that that that's still a threat. And if Haskins can do that, five catches, decent amount of yards. That that's really important for for this team, it, especially if you can't have Quorum in. Um, as that that type of threat. Yeah, you, he can be his own lightning to the to the thunder. That that. You know what I mean? Like there's the thunder and lightning and Yeah. Yeah. Well and, he can and also this be game, that lightning too. What was so great about this game too is he was our safety net. He was Haskins was a safety net in uh uh slippery game again. Like uh they didn't want to give it to Donovan Edwards. I feel like it was just too big of a moment for that kind of a true freshman time to come in. And that you could rely on Haskins to hold on to the ball to make all these plays, to be reliable, to make the first downs on a fourth and two, because later in that same drive, yep. it was fourth and two. He was stuck behind the line of scrimmage, and he, and he yeah. spun out of that first tackle, dove, and then extended his <laughs> he arm. Ex he scares me a lot when he extends that book. Telling he you though, extends it such crazy he's got a time, feel for it. He, he is does. a true he's running good. back, and he's not he's necessarily the most explosive. He might not be a Kenneth Walker Jr., yeah. but he is a he is a freaking running back, man. He's like, close. He, he's close to that level. He's he's maybe like he needs maybe the the stop and go ability, but he doesn't do that. He's more slippery. He moves forward. Kenneth Walker will take a little bit more chances. Yeah. That's the All biggest right. difference. No, that, that's And fair. maybe overall athleticism. Um the I mean the defensive line is is that that is our ticket. It's elite. It, it is it's the best in the absolutely country. Insane. A Jabo has he's so exploded good too. on the scene here. Um and with Aiden Hutchins, I mean that is the the thing you can hang your hat on. I'm nervous about this offense. I still am. I don't think yeah. anything really changed um, changes my feelings on it. it. It gets very, very stagnant, and I hate that. Um, and I mean, you play you play a, a team with, with with any type of other type of threat. I mean, you're you're going to get exposed, and that's that's scary. And I'm, I'm, I know I keep go, moving into Ohio, Ohio State. State matchup, and I don't want to do that yet because I don't. I do think that's a big win, and that that's a win that. Um, what, what are they now? Nine and one? Is that what They're it is? nine and one. They're they're one win against Maryland from being a ten win team. Who if we told if we said that heading into the season for Michigan like get rid of the Michigan State I mean that's a whole other story if we said that but like if we said Michigan was gonna have ten wins or let's say nine wins or whatever it is yeah. people would be being like oh you guys are slapping you, you guys don't know one hundred percent. I would have said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I probably <laughs> we but, might have gotten there with like a vote or something, and then turned around and said, "Oops." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, how did we get there? It, but it, it's it's such a fun time. Um, again, nothing's really changed for me on this team. Um, 
very happy with it. They're, I, they're winning games that they normally wouldn't win. Yeah, and I, and I think it goes, you know, there's there's some growing going on. There's some growth that we're that we're physically seeing. You know, we're, there's some there's a safety. I'm tr- I'm blanking on his name. Who's the safety that's been playing really well? Freshman. Micah, where are you on this one, man? Yeah. You're the name guy. I know. But there's a freshman <laughs> safety that's been coming in. Um, more, more, something okay. more. M-O-O-R-E. Anyways. I believe you. Um, he's been playing great defense, and he's actually been being the, the play caller, the signal caller. He's getting it from the coaches and relaying it to the rest of the team as a freshman back there as safety. Like, that's a safety net position. That that is huge for this secondary. But not only that, we've been able to rely on um, uh, DJ Turner, DJ Turner, DJ yep. Turner, number five cornerback, and then and then on the other side, um, number four. What's his name? I sh- I'm so bad with the names. Really, cornerback number four. He's been around for forever. Oh, Jermon Green. No, Jermon Green's hurt right now. Yeah, he's hurt. But that's what I'm saying. Like Jermon Green. Jamon Green is hurt. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out that I. <laughs> Jamon Green is hurt right now, but we are we are basically DJ Turner Mike came is in. Pissed at us right yeah, now. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's listening. He's like DJ Turner came in. I got the numbers. I got the what the idea. <laughs> I got nothing, man. I can like probably rhyme with it, but I can't tell you the name. <laughs> Usually, I'm six beers deep at this point. <laughs> Talking to Michigan, but no, like DJ <laughs> Turner's come in and he's been he shut down uh, the Penn State Dotson. Dotson. Yeah, John. Well, he had nine catches, but they they contained him. They contained the big him. Play. Yeah, that's, there the, you that's go. the key. Yep. And, and and there were big plays on third downs where they threw it up to him, and that's where I'm saying they shut him down. Like they took him out of the game when he was needed most. Yep. And and let's even go back to the touchdown. Penn State scored the touchdown late in the game to to tie it, and yeah, they so got the, the two point so conversion. The, yep. So that was to tie it at fourteen. Yeah, and then um, we're talking about a, a, a stand in the red zone in within five yards of was the, that on fourth down. Was that was on did, fourth down. Yeah, that was my point. Like we, the defense stepped up, and then they made a very very difficult play. They had to make an in, insane conversion to to even get the touchdown on fourth down, and then they repeated themselves with Dotson to make it a perfect pass and a perfect catch. Yeah. And that was that was the way they scored their two-point conversion. So the defense did not break at that point. They just bent really far, and they're just like, we did everything we could. Sometimes the offense wins out, and, Sometimes, and that yeah. was an example the of The offense that. wants to make plays just as and, much as you yeah. don't want them to make plays. Exactly. Um, no, but then obviously the, the strip uh, sack is, is something you don't want to see. Um, then they end up taking the lead, but then the way that Michigan responded is, is absolutely – um, great to see. It was. It's something that um, we're not used to. Um, well, I don't even. I don't even think that's fair because I, I'm not even. I don't. Know. I think Michigan's been better than what people give them credit for. Um, I think people yeah. are forgetting um, what they were. Uh, obviously, last year was, was absolutely awful for a lot of people and a lot of reasons. If people, if people are going to use uh, Michigan State struggles as as a COVID issue, then Michigan can too. Michigan State football too. I mean, it was just there was a lot of stuff going on last year that I don't think people realize, and I don't want to hold anybody accountable too much for that. I think yeah. Michigan's a lot better than people think. I think they're healthier than they think um, as a as a whole program. Um, and look out. I mean, it, it, everything's in front of them. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the, what they do these next couple weeks. Um, I don't expect anything, but I think they've they've put themselves in a position that they don't have to they don't have to beat Ohio State. They don't have to get to the Big Ten championship or anything like that for me to be like, 
this team is taking a step in the right direction. Here's here's what I here's what I expect. I, I this is what I expect next week is for them to beat Maryland, and then they're going to be a ten win team, and they're going to go into Ohio State week with one loss, where Ohio State is one loss, and it's for all the marbles. Yep. What kind of opportunity what other kind of opportunity are you looking for this is what we want i don't care if they get blown out by ohio state i don't care if we look dumb against them and look silly and their freshman quarterback goes nuts they're a freaking good team with two of the the five best wide receivers in all of college football on their team with probably maybe one of the three best college running backs on their team in college football he's definitely starting to to show his his stuff and then and then they only have 15 five stars on their defense like they they are insane. They're fine. This we could not have asked for a better season uh, for Michigan, a better opportunity for Michigan going into these games. And Michigan State, you can't. I mean, same exact thing. Before before you're you're like begging to, to no, hit you're that. good. I'm, I'm just Vincent prepared. Gray, Vincent, Vincent Gray, Gray, cornerback. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm telling you, you watch Vincent Gray. You watch uh, Jamon Green how he's playing early in the year. You watch DJ Turner. And then the the range that the safeties have with Moten and with uh, with Moore, that is our opportunity against Ohio State. They have to be play the best games of their life, but but they're setting themselves up. To, they're getting better and better every single week. They go against an elite talent in, in Dotson, and what the, what do they do? They contain him. They feel good about themselves. They do not let him beat them. One thing that I think that I I want to see more from these guys. Is the playmaking play? They're very good. They're 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 making plays and like shutting things down. But get that turnover, get the interception, make a game changing play. That's yeah. one thing we're not seeing from the second. The only person we've seen do that is is Dax Hill. Yeah, and but he missed. It he missed a really good opportunity. Yeah, he did in, against Penn State to to do that. But I but didn't. I purposely said all those other players <laughs> have stepped up, and I left out Dax Hill, their most important player. Perfect. Michigan sports. We may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. I know you moved on, I but I haven't. So, okay. Mich- <laughs> so, also, Aiden Hutchinson, regarded as a top five pick at this point uh, in a lot of mock drafts, Ajabo, watch out. He's in the top he, 10 of a ton of mock drafts. He's going to, yeah. Top it, 10 and, from and undrafted look, or sucks. top five drafts. I, I wish that he wouldn't because I want him to come back next year. But <laughs> yeah, we get but into, it shows how good he is. Let's get into some Michigan State. They responded well by taking an early lead over Maryland, never looking back, um, and finished to win 40-21. to 21. Uh, Thorne went 22 of 30 for 287 yards, four touchdowns and an interception, two touchdowns to Jaden Reed, who had eight catches for 114 yards and was supported nicely by Mosley and Foster, who each had 52 yards receiving. Walker was great once again with 143 yards um, on 30 carries for a 4.8 average and two touchdowns. Uh, the defense, I thought, used creative looks and blitzes, blitz packages to kind of get a little bit of pressure um, on Tua's brother. I'm not even going to try to say anything else. Uh, but they got four sacks on him, then forced one interception. Uh, it felt better, obviously, but the passing yards uh, still still a little bit of a concern heading into the big one here. Uh, they allowed Tua's brother to go 29 of 48 for 350 yards and two touchdowns. But playing from behind, a, a lot of those yards will, will, will kind of just be garbage. Uh, it was just a nice bounce back. It was a nice bounce back from the loss for Purdue, but nothing I saw made me like more or less confident heading into this these final two games. I think 
this is, I mean, the the, the template's out there. And, and look, I don't want to over, we're going to talk a little bit about this game, but I don't want to, yeah, I, I mean, the template's there. You know how Michigan State can beat Ohio State. You know how they can lose Ohio State. It's all right there in front of you. Nothing changed after the after this win. Um, nice to see Thorne, though. He put up some decent numbers without the the second uh, threat of Naylor. Uh, Mosley seems to be finding his niche in in this offense uh, and taking niche. advantage. Niche? I thought niche. it was niche. I thought it was niche. Noish. Noish. Niece? Niche? Niece? Sorry, I threw you off. <laughs> no, you did. I was moving too, man. Yeah, no, I was trying to save, save some time. And and just, yeah. um, he took, he's taken advantage of the opportunity. Four catches for 52 yards. Um, very. I mean, I think he's he's very important to this offense right now. It, it, it's not going to be big numbers or anything, but you have to have another threat, and that that's kind of his his role here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it doesn't sound like Naylor's coming back. I, from what I'm hearing, it's so sad. But, it's been the story of his college career. He yeah. could he could have been one of the really one of the greats in Michigan State. I really Hold believe on. that. That's not good. Nope, go for it. Yeah, crush it. All the bubbles this is terrible. <laughs> No, but I think you know this game. It I was wish great. I been quicker to just get the camera off me. <laughs> I'm just not good at that yet. <laughs> we had we have uh, you know Peyton Thorne in this game looked comfortable again, and I think that's that's what yeah. you saw. Yep, you saw him moving around, uh, going right and left out of the pocket, and and seeing the field, observing what was going on, and making the right decision on a on a constant basis, and you know. He's he's got such great arm talent. I really believe that. And anytime that he's looked off, it's a learning opportunity for him. So the longer this season goes, in my mind, the better he's going to get because I really believe in his talent. I think I think he's a pro prospect. Like you I really, really do? do. I do. Yeah. I think he's got a big enough arm, a live enough arm. Uh, he throws a good enough ball. Where if he can, if he could just be consistent like this, tell you you put up. Two three years with these kind of numbers that he's putting up right now, yeah, you're going to be a big big time pro prospect. Yeah, yeah, and I I just and he's athletic enough. He really reminds me of C.J. Stroud, and I I know you're going I'm going backwards to a freshman with Ohio State. Yeah, and they're about to play each other, but that's on purpose. C.J. Stroud has that ability to kind of look relaxed in difficult situations, and I think Peyton Thorne has that same ability. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it gets away from him. You know, um, Kenneth Walker bailed him out against Michigan. Peyton Thorne, yep. Thorne did not win that game for nope. them. He made a couple big plays. He made um, an amazing throw over the shoulder to, to Jalen Naylor. Or, or to, uh, yeah, well, Naylor was one of them. I think yeah. it was Naylor, and yeah. And Reed another. But either way, when it wasn't he's. A, yeah, it wasn't a good game for him. When he's comfortable, he is elite in my mind. His tools are elite. And I and I just think that you know that going into next week you couldn't have asked for a better warm up. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Walker, 143 yards on 30 carries, 4.8 average, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, I don't think he he put up what what we expect in that that type of game, right? Yeah. Um, nothing really like skyrocketed his his Heisman status or anything like that, but he's still there. He put up good enough numbers to be like, yeah, uh, like. Just wait, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and the game's in front of him here. The next two games. I, I don't want to, like, we're talking about this Ohio State game as, like, the be-all, end-all. Look out for that Penn State team, too, and especially the way they match up against a, a Michigan State team. It, it's He's got two big opportunities these next two weeks to really cement himself into possibly the favorite. And I know people are going to 
get a little high on on the the bright is a Bryce Young is that his name from yeah. from Alabama and stuff like that. Um, there's other players I just out don't there. Think they've but played anybody. I don't think so either. And but you could kind of say the same thing with 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 uh, Michigan State it, right now here and there. Yeah. Um, but I mean he's he's gonna be in New York and he's he's. In, in games that they don't even need him, he's he's putting up big numbers, yeah, which is but, cool. But you're right, though. Like, yeah, he didn't lose his Heisman hopes. He didn't turn into a f- an absolute favorite because yeah. of this game. But what it does is it keeps him relevant going into the biggest game of the year for them, which is the Ohio State game, with what it means at this point in the season. They lost to Purdue. We get that. We can move on. Yep. If they beat Ohio State, they are in the driver's seat with this conference going into the, crazy. B- the Big Ten Conference Championship. Yep. And and at this point, if they can beat Ohio State, they're very similar on offense to Ohio State. If they can beat them at their own game, and I think they match up super well offensively, I don't know. Yeah. Like it, it's gonna be a tough yeah. game. But if they can pull it off, then then you know, Michigan fans all over the state are just gonna be crying their eyes out because they're gonna be like, oh no, there there goes our chance. Yeah. Now now even if we beat Ohio State, which is a big if we needed something else to happen. You need Ohio <laughs> or you need Michigan State to lose. Yeah. Um it'll be it the the I don't want to talk too much about this game. There's we're not gonna unpack anything that, that changes our, our perspective on this team. Um I'm just really concerned about this pass defense. It, it continues to be concerned. 350 yards through the air, um, which I think has a lot to do with the lack of a pass rush without blitzing. Is that is that fair? Like I, I like what um, Panishik Panishik does. I think he does a good job, but he's not. And I, and I know Michigan State fans will compare him to Aiden Hutchinson. He's not that. No, he's put up really good numbers. Great, but numbers. it's also like it almost seems like a mirage because. When they're getting pressure and, and creating that havoc, it's because of blitz. It's because of cre- creativity. You know what I mean? Not necessarily just one-on-one, we're going to beat you. And that's what's exposing the pass defense. Well, the problem is Panashuk is alone in his dominance. So when Panashuk is on, he can beat anybody one-on-one for the most part. Like I don't think he gets as consistent a pressure as Aiden Hutchinson or even Ajabo. I don't think he gets... As consistent earlier on in the year, he was actually the most consistent. Yeah, he was. But the difference is, he doesn't have his counterpart on the other side. So what teams have done is they've constantly um, chipped Just him chipping from the constant. outside. So yeah. then, so then the tackle stays on the inside, so it takes away the inside move. And if they try to go to the outside, they get bumped from the tight end or the wide receiver going out for a pass or or the running back. Yeah. And that's been the recipe for success to slow this pass rush down because it was so heavily reliant on Panashuk for getting pressure and it doesn't take away from him from his greatness. It really doesn't. Like I'm not he's trying to very, say that. Yeah, I'm good. just saying there's there's a game plan around what they've done. And teams have grown up and woken up to what they what they can do and they've been able to work around a little bit of uh the strength of the Michigan State Sparty defense. Yeah, I mean like like I said heading into this it's like the blueprints out there for how Michigan State is going to win this game. The blueprints out there of why they're going to get destroyed. You know what I mean? Like you yep. can see yep. both sides pretty easily. Um, I think early momentum is going to be huge in this game against Ohio State. Yeah, it, if you can take a lead and suffocate him with Kenneth Walker, yes, Look, he, Kenneth Walker is going to get his. Like I'm not that impressed with Ohio State's defense. Now I'm, I'm going to say that and be exposed in a couple weeks. Yeah, when they're going to get when Michigan and Michigan State both get ten round. points against them, and it's going to be like a <laughs> hundred to. 20 in points ratio. Look, they haven't proven it yet. So that's where I'm, I'm just going to sit there and be like, 
Kenneth Walker. That is the key. But on top of that is is Jaden Reed. It is it, it's the big plays, and Ohio State has proven to allow the big plays, and Michigan State strives on the big plays. They're really good. And they at beat them. teams on those big plays, and I'm I'm really interested to see how it works. Now, 19 point favorite, 19 points. That is a lot of points. Yeah. It's, it, I don't it feels know. like it feels know. like it's going to be a 19 20 point win for Ohio State or Michigan State is going to win a close one. Like I don't see a middle middle ground here. I I think they could. I mean, the the close game could always be there, but it's got to be where Michigan State is in this early and takes a lead early and does something to slow down the progress of Ohio State. I, Ohio State's one of those teams. They've been like this for the last what decade and a half. They are so dangerous all the time. They they're like if you give an inch to them, they're gonna take a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> and and once they get one touchdown, then it's like oh no, how many touchdowns are they gonna get this quarter? You know, like we've seen how many times <laughs> right. have we seen them score four touchdowns in one quarter in the second quarter, oh, and the, yeah. and the game is close. Time. Yeah, the game is, is like close in the first quarter. We're all pumped about how the game's going from either side, Michigan State or Michigan. And then by the end, by halftime, you're losing thirty-five to fourteen. Yeah, it just so, happens so quick. So how did that happen? Yeah, and they 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 are just elite with their playmakers all the time. They are elite with their with their play calling all the time. So they Michigan State has to be elite on the other side. They have to do something early that's maybe a little unconventional or take those big shots and hit on them early with Jalen uh, or Jaden Reed yep. down the field. And then if you're not going Reed, they they have their other options. They do. They I do. And I like them. But I but this all those are those are like the the big plays. What they live by, the reason why those big plays are available is because they've got Kenneth Walker in, on the inside. They've got him to rely on and he has to play he has to play a lights-out game. They've been setting him up for this game. I mean, like, yes. hey, we're going to give you the ball 30, 33 times. Like, 30 times is, like, your minimum, and we're going to continue to do it because when the game matters, we're not going to go anywhere else. And let's be honest. He he has played his best game of the entire season when they needed it most against Michigan. Michigan. They yeah. were outclassed by Michigan, and their playmakers won them the game. Yep. And and I'm not saying outclassed, meaning better team, worst team. Like, let's not even get into well, that Michigan argument. Michigan was the better team. Top, top to bottom, top to bottom positional groups comparison, yes, except that the running back discrepancy was insane. The wide receiver, the wide receivers were just the so talent. much better. The, the talent from the, the skill yep. positions were that much better. And that has to show through with Kenneth Walker. He has to dominate this game for them to have a chance. Yep. They could have Kenneth Walker could have done what he did against Michigan, and they could have lost. Yeah, isn't that crazy? To think That's it, right? insane. They should <laughs> never lose a game where he goes for two hundred plus five, five touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, but he needs to be their most reliable player against Ohio State for them to have any chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I think defensively, Michigan State. I mean, is is, is not good. And you'd be an idiot to say that this is how they're going to do it defensively. Especially through the air. However, early on, and even against Michigan, the Ben did not break mentality. They were very good at that. And if they can hold Ohio State to just a couple field goals instead of touchdowns, that's a key for, for this game. Yeah. Very big key. And and uh, on the other side, cashing in and not kicking field goals or making field goals. That's another thing that, that Michigan State's dealing with right now is – Who's their kicker? Um, it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It, it is now. Coglin? 
Well, I mean, he, yeah, he is, he's back, I think. I've, I have a feeling it was like a, a suspension or something. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, like just like one of those he should quiet be ready. ones. He did end up playing last week after, I think, a miss, missed extra point, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be important to, to, to just cash an opportunity. You cannot miss an opportunity in, in this type of game. Against yeah, this is, this is also important where they might be trapped. They might feel like they have to go for a trick play or something to get seven points early on in this game. If you have an opportunity to score points against Ohio State earlier in the game, in the first half, you take the points. I agree. And that's that's just my thought going into this. How many game? How many? I mean, you could even talk about the Lions, like with their extra point. That was the difference of them winning or losing that game. Yep. It turned into that, and it was very early on when that happened. Yeah. So always take the points in these types of games where in the end you can you can take your shot you can try to win it you can go for a two point yeah. conversion at the very end if you need to but yep. take your points early on yeah and and i think one one thing that's really important with Michigan State um and what why they why they have been successful against Ohio State in the past and under D'Antonio is like yeah we're going in as underdogs but we're not going to play like we're underdogs we're going to play like we're there to fight we're we're going to win like our way we're not going to adjust our game just because we're the underdog and we're going to do it. Like you know what I mean? Like we're not going to panic. Yeah. It's just going to be we're going to stick to it. We're going to do that. I'm I'm curious to see what Mel Tucker is in, in this type of game. I think he did a great job in it against Michigan. I trust him, man. I trust him too because he did it against Michigan when he shouldn't have been. Yeah. He shouldn't have been running the ball. Yeah. And he did, and it it worked out. He. It, I will say this. I feel like Michigan State has a better chance of out coaching Ohio State than Michigan does in the next two weeks. I think Ohio, I think Michigan, their whole season relies on this. That's when you can tighten up your butt cheeks, get tight. It's also a different rivalry. It is. It means different. It, it is. means more. It, it, it's. I think state yeah, no, has I, the ability to be more free, more willing to just. Okay, to that, be, that makes more sense. To play the game right. of football the way they need to win. Yep. Out coach. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> We don't have to get in that argument. No, we don't. I don't know. It, it's I'm so excited for it. I'm I really am. So that was our quick intro to college football, right? Yeah, yeah. Now so let's, let's get start, into the episode, right? Let's talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now we we got to move. We, we ready to move into some Tigers talk? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, sounds let's do great. It. Before we get into the main topic of episode 131, I want to remind everyone that I got to clear my throat a second. That the Hops Brewing Company Cafe is open and pouring some of the best craft beer in West Michigan. Their revamped food menu, rotating taps, wine, and ciders make the Hops perfect for whatever you have going on from dinner with the family, late night drinks with friends, and everything in between. The Hops is becoming a staple in the West Michigan restaurant community that we highly recommend to our friends and listeners. The Hops is the official brewery of State of My Sports for 2021. And if you mention State of My Sports, you will get a nice little discount on your first beer. I just forgot to turn my mic back on. <laughs> well done, I said. Noob. Let's get into some Detroit Tiger stock. Yes. I'm, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I wanted to do it last week, but you guys ruled me out. But the Tigers surprised many, including us fans, by going 77-85, and 85, uh, finishing third in the Central Division. Go Tigers. 16 games back in the division um, from the White Sox and 15 games back in the AL Wild Card. Uh, it was a pleasant surprise, mainly because it felt like, you know, they won games, um, like on the backs of the young players, and then they lost games because they just didn't have depth. They didn't have um, the leaders. They didn't have the veterans to kind of help the the young guys um, 
going through the the dog days of summer if you I gotta clear my throat again man yeah I was this is getting like, bad huh yeah. just jump in if you can't well I think what what you, what you said earlier with the Tigers finishing 77 and 85 to keep that in perspective if four games would have finished differently and you can think about four games through the season and how many games they they lost late they sh- they could have won based on just random things that happened they're four games different away from being 500. 81-81. Now, yeah. that is not too many games away from competing for playoffs late in the year. That's true, yeah. And and you look at some of these like war stats, even though I, I literally hate the war stat. You hate the I, war stat? I think it's a good benchmark stat, I guess, but it but it, it's not a be-all end-all. It does not actually mean wins. But anyways, some of those war guys that are out there in free agency are, are five-plus wins. We're talking like two signings away from – competing for playoffs and being a 90-win team, like, sign me up. Yeah, and we're only getting better with rookies, second-year, third-year guys getting better as they as they mature. Tigers, like, this was such an exciting year to see, and it's exactly going into the year when we were previewing this team, we needed all of the guys that you didn't know about to step up and turn, in, turn into something, and we saw that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And now it, it is time. It's time to spend money. It's time to make moves um, for multiple reasons, and, and the, the Tigers are part of so many rumors going on. I mean, I love it. So, but before we get into rumors, let's talk about the moves that they already made. On November third, the Tigers acquired Cincinnati Reds catcher Tucker Barnhart in exchange for the Tigers' uh, infield prospect Nick Quintana. Um, the Tigers will pick up Barnhart's $7.5 million team option, meaning the 30-year-old two-time gold glove winner will be a Detroit Tiger in the in 2020. Um, however, the Tigers aren't ruling out a possibility of a contract extension. What do you think about Barnhart? I think Barnhart's perfect for this rebuild, this quote-unquote rebuild at this point. He's a right-handed, decent hitting catcher, or I'm sorry, a left-handed decent hitting catcher that is very very good defensively like he's he's really good defensively he works really well with to, to with, win gold gloves as a catcher yeah i mean that that's impressive i mean he's he's throwing 30 to 40 percent of runners out based on the year some some years 45 some years 36 either way that is an elite uh rate for any kind of catcher and, and the key for for the tigers here is is jake rogers is out for the for all of uh, that's key for the the rest of the season he had he came in and showed a ton like yeah he he his bat was it showed enough I thought but his defense was up there and it sounds like Barnhart is is a perfect replacement um for not having Rogers this this upcoming but season. probably more of a more reliable as a hitter just a kind of a normal like okay. average big league hitter um but also from the left side so this complements Eric Haas from the right side okay. really really well we can go the light, the righty lefty based on matchups from the catcher position that is that is great that's a great option to have and then you can also do offense defense type of thing based on the matchup as well with him as the defensive specialist that gives you some offense compared to Eric Haas which gives you the risk or the 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 pop you know potential from the right side with the home run power but yeah maybe not quite as good a defense and as a two-time gold glove winner 30 years old he's been around he's good seems like he's he's like i mean yeah i mean haas is what he is right but it was still his first full season in in uh in the mlb so what you're bringing in is a veteran catcher um to kind of run this young staff that's very important 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how and when they, they kind of mix and match because it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but each pitcher kind of ends up getting their own catcher to, to an extent, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times. And he seems like that he, he's going to get the majority of the starts, right? Over over Eric Haas. Unless Eric Haas, I mean, you can find your way to get Eric Haas in the lineup with his bat and stuff. But yeah. I don't I, think so. I, I think it's going to be a, a timeshare. I think it's yeah. going to be something where they treat, try to keep both guys fresh. It's a long season. If anything happens to one catcher, you don't want him burned out because you played him 75% of the games early on. Yeah, It's really going to be matchup dependent. It's going to be starting pitcher dependent. If look, if Casey Mize loves pitching to this guy, and you feel you throw him in. <laughs> he's the catcher. Yeah, yeah. he's the catcher. Yeah. you're going to be like screw you, three, four, five guys in the in the rotation. You're throwing to somebody else because this is Casey Mize's guy and he needs some yeah. rest. The, 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 I think the most important thing is this was a massive hole with with Jake Rogers injury and they went out and put a check mark in it. Yeah. And it was done. You, you wash Agreed. your hands. Agreed. You're good with it. I think what was that two days after the World Series? Maybe one day after. The World I think Series? it was the day like, after. That was like quick. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. They got that's their really guy. Exciting. And you know that that makes Barnhart feel really good about this too because this team was looking at him. They want him. They they keyed in on him, and he's thinking, man, these guys, these guys love me. Yeah, like exactly. I'm exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah. Game. It's it's a marriage at that point for sure. No, it, it's exciting. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. Obviously, it's a also, health and a lot of stuff. Helped. There was an end of season interview with uh, between. Um, um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing blanks. Avila, Avila, and um, Coach Hinch. So oh, Avila AJ, and yeah. Hinch were talking at the end of the year, and catcher was one of the the issues. They were like, "Well, with Rogers' injury, you know, we got to address the catcher position." Yeah, gotta... Griner wasn't going to fill that. Yeah, as much as. I mean, he was what he was. Had he is what he season, is. But yeah, he, he he's a fill-in. Yeah, he's a fill-in at this point. Um, but then they also mentioned a few other positions. They're like, obviously, shortstop's a big position for us to fill. We're we're going to consider all options. We have some internal candidates, but we also have plenty of external candidates to consider. We're gonna we're gonna look around. And then they get into like starting pitchers. He just said, you know, what most people aren't talking about is. I think we have, and this is Alavila talking. I think we have a gap at the starting pitcher position. We need to yeah. fill a need there, and we saw it with all of the injuries that we that we had during these during the season. And I said that going in, like you have yeah. to expect your starting pitchers to get injured. But that was a need that Alavila identified immediately after the season. Like, look, we need another reliable veteran arm in this rotation to solidify something, to bring extra to our to our team. So that brings out, what was it, the 15th? So was that Monday? Or was that, I guess it doesn't matter. What's yeah. the date today? It was Monday, yeah. Um, the Tigers signed left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez to a five-year, $77 million contract. Um, he can opt out after the second year. Has a no-trade clause. Uh, he's 28, uh, has pitched six seasons for the Boston Red Sox after making his MLB debut in 2015. He, is he has a career 4.16 ERA. He pitched 32 games, 31 starts in 2021, posting a 4.74 ERA, 47 walks, and 185 strikeouts. He has a close relationship with Tigers assistant pitching coach Juan Nieves, uh, who was Boston's pitching, pitching coach during spring training in 2015. Uh, he finished sixth in the American League Cy Young. Sorry, I'm just going to get all the information and I'll go let you kind of go. go. Uh, American League Cy Young voting in 2019. Uh, that year, he made a career-high 34 starts and logged th a 3.81 ERA with 75 walks, 
213 strikeouts over 203 and a third inning. What do you expect from this guy? <laughs> I think I love this signing so much. Yeah. I just think it's perfect for what the Tigers are trying to do. It's another left-handed pitcher that has a great arm. Like he's he's a big time arm for a lefty. If he was throwing from the right side, you'd be like, yeah, that's a good arm, but it's not elite. From the left side, that's that's pretty elite stuff. You know, and I've always kind of been jealous of the Red Sox with him in in their rotation because he is just this rock solid guy. And be, to be six in Cy Young in 2019, um, 34 starts, 3.81 ERA, 75 walks, 213 strikeouts over 203 innings. That's a, over a strikeout in any guy where that that's just logging those innings, keeping your bullpen bullpen fresh. Um, also just seeing the highest level of competition in the playoffs and world series. Like, I mean, what else, what else can you ask to, to add to your team? And what is he like 28 years old? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I had, he's 30, he's 30 year old. I think, I don't think so. I think he's oh, younger I'm sorry. That. that was, that was the, 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 the catcher. catcher. Yeah. Sorry. I think so. Eduardo Rodriguez. 28. Yep. Yeah. So 28 years old. He's, you could argue he's coming into his prime. Like he could turn into something even more than he is right now. And to to get a guy that, you know, we're signing him from age twenty eight to thirty three with his five year contract, doesn't get any better than that. Yep. And and a left handed pitcher that has pretty elite or or maybe like if you're gonna notch something down from elite stuff from the left side, that's where he lives. But but more than that, more than all of that, he is a consistent pitcher that you can rely on that's been healthy for a long time, um, who can strike people out, is a low-walk guy. He's a perfect template for these young pitchers to come in and understand how a professional works in the game of baseball over a long season. He's a good, he's a good pitcher. He's proven that he can pitch in this league. And that's, that's the key is, like, you have – extremely good pitchers you have guys that can pitch in this league and then it just falls off very quickly yeah he has proven that he can pitch and look the the al east is a tough tough division oh right? and he's pitching and he's fenway. pitching well pitching at fenway not a pitcher friendly no, ballpark no, that's tough man that is very tough he's going into a pitcher friendly ballpark with uh probably a better defense than he's been dealing with and i think his numbers will only get better at comerica park and and I think that's that's huge. And again, he's twenty eight. He's he's growing from. He's been. He, what is he? A five year vet at this point. He's twenty eight years old. He came up young, and he's and with the Red Sox. That means he's been pitching big games for a long time against big time competition, against big time rivalries. Uh, spotlight on you. The whole city's waiting and watching to see what you do. And he's put up numbers. Yeah, at this point he's pitched six seasons. Um, so another thing about him, so he did get COVID. He got myocarditis or something like that, the, the, heart, the heart thing condition. that, that yeah. people can get. Yep. Um, so that's something to, to be aware of if you want to. I guess I'm not going to be too too worried about it. Um, a lot of time. But w- I, I just think this is such a quietly good signing. I now, agree. $77 million sounds like a lot. What do you think about the no trade clause? That that That's interesting to me. Like, I get no trade clauses can be waived and he can pick where he goes and, and all, all of that can be taken care of. A little weird. I you know what that what that did was brought the number down. So okay. you're, you're talking about a 77 what, what he was looking for is guaranteed 
money. Okay. And this is before the lockout that's about to happen. Or yeah, the, that, yeah, that's not. Yeah. We, we can get into that if we want to or not. But I think we you know, should at the at the end here. They signed him early for a purpose. He was looking at them for a purpose. I think this is going to going to be before. Basically, this is setting the stage for all of the free agent starting pitchers. And that's a great spot for the Tigers to be in because because people are going to be basing these numbers off of him, and it's only going to get more expensive from here. So he was so MLB had the the top free agent pitchers. So you had Max Scherzer at number one, Kevin Gossman at number two, Carlos Rodon at number three, Clayton Kershaw at number four, Eduardo Rodriguez number five. That that sounds and that that number like when when you're saying the top five free agent in yeah. this free agent class, yeah, like those are some. Big big names in big time of names, big big names. Kershaw, Scherzer, and, and your top five, and the youngest out of all that entire group. You're you're the young one in that group that's putting up similar numbers or, or comparable numbers, and they signed him to less than twenty million dollars a year for an extended period of time. I'm telling you, if if he does not get hurt, if he can stay healthy through this time period, fourth and fifth year on this contract is going to look so cheap. Yeah. No, uh, it, and you're going to be getting ready to sign your other guys too. Yeah. And it's going to be it's uh, I I think this is a very good signing. Look, it could everything could hit the fan, he could get hurt and it looked like a big waste of time for this year, but well, you if, we, do had, that if we had Matthew scenarios. Boyd, if we had Matthew Boyd for the entire year this last year, do we think that might have put us over 500? I I think so. It definitely could have. Like, I like Matt Boyd. This yeah. is a Matt Boyd replacement, and it's an upgrade. It, massive, it's a, massive upgrade. It's a upgrade. Matthew Boyd com- e- equivalent to much better upgrade, yes. This this is something that – exactly, we're bringing this on. So this is just another life insurance policy for this starting pitcher group, and starting pitching does not let, – let, let's understand the impact that starting pitching has. It's huge. This I mean, go back to when the massive, Tigers were, were, were contending. It was all about this rotation. That's exactly it. If you can have an, an ERA in the starting pitcher group and that logs innings, if it's anywhere around four, you're going to be a good team. Yep. Anywhere around four, you're going to be a really good team. And this is a guy that's less than four some years, just barely above four some other years. But, yeah, I mean, we can. We, I probably said it a little bit too much. I love the signing. I think it's great. I think it's one step in the direction with the young guys that are coming up to say like this is the start of a of a nucleus at this point. Yeah. So, do you think this closes the door on Verlander? No, I don't think so. I don't no. think this is. I don't think they're one and done. I, um, what do you think about Verlander? Do you would you accept him back at this point, or is it more about the right money? Or like if he's or, healthy, one hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine the crowd that it would bring to a Comerica Park if he pitched? Opening day. Yeah. Do you want him to? I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Are you really? kidding me? He has pitched so many opening days. He sets a record for opening days at Comerica. And is it, like, that would be... It'd be cool. What a moment that would be. That yeah. would be insane. Yeah, I'd be in favor of Scherzer coming I feel back. Like, and, and and I, I think you've got to sign Berlander. another pitcher, right? We're, we're right here. So we got Manning, Scooble, Mize. Now we got Rodriguez. Do you want to get to six? You got to find that sixth guy. Willie Peralta, do you want to bring him back? I like what he did. I, I, I'd be okay I with mind. that. Yeah, right I would price. love to to bring him back. Yeah. I mean, are there other other names out there that you want to take, or is or yeah, Matthew I mean, Boyd, Spencer Turnbull. Well, Turnbull's out for this year. Yeah, no, and or at least halfway. I think I think Boyd is is going to be a free agent. I'm not sure how how that's going down, but um, yeah, no, it's kind of a weird situation with Fulmer too, though. Maybe he 
gets back into the potential of, of a starter. He, you know he wants to. I think he does. But he's and if been, he wants to, he's going to work towards it. Yeah, but he's he was so good, though. He was great. Oh, no, I would rather keep him in the bullpen. I think he makes our bullpen that much better. But the point is, yes, I think they need one more arm. And that, and it's not even necessarily a big name or anything. If it is a big name, great. That that makes it that makes Manning your your next guy in. You know, like if you have Manning that who's hungry for a bunch and saying, "This isn't fair. I want to be a starting pitcher." Great, make him mad. Go prove it. Yeah. You know, like the next injury, he's in. He's in, and he's going to try to stay up for good. That's the situation you want to be in. You want to be competing for that fifth spot. Yeah, and and, and honestly, it doesn't have to be through free agency either. There's a couple arms. I mean, if Fiedo can get stuff figured out, is this is you got to bring him up at some point to see if he can figure it out. Um, Joey Wentz, Joey Wentz yeah. coming up there too. There's both um, coming off of injuries. And yeah. like Jackson Job, he's not going to be in, on this team yet. Not yet, not yet. But I mean, it's like you have you have more there too. It doesn't have to be through free agency, but you got to find one or maybe even two more starters to to kind of fit this rotation and round it off and give these guys. Um, a little less pressure, I think, is a, a fair way to say it. Yeah, with the young, with the young players, it's just depth. Depth is so important in baseball. I mean, Dodgers have eight people deep. Yeah, right. Um, so the rumors have been everywhere. I mean, heading into the season, what, I think we talked about the. Um, we're not going to spend like drunken sailor type stuff that that Avila said. I don't think this this Rodriguez um signing is is drunken sailor money. I'm. A little nervous that it's going to be like, well, we couldn't afford a shortstop because we signed a pitcher instead. Do you think that's going to be the case, or do you no. think that do you think that this is the this is the first or first two moves, and then the next one is is the big one and the shortstop? Is that what you think's coming, or what? What are you, what are you feeling about this? I th- I think they're going to wait for the right contract for the right person. So you don't think it's it's all about getting the right name. Or the big name. It's about getting the right person. Yeah. I think it's it's their scouting department saying, long term, this is what we project. This is the kind of money based on the salary cap. This is what the flexibility would be uh, on year eight of the contract. You know, like that. I really believe they're going to be going through their due diligence and understanding the kind of impact this could have because the biggest responsibility of Alavila at this point is to not jump into contracts that jeopardize the future of this franchise. And Eduardo Rodriguez did not do anything even close to jeopardizing the future. This only helps it because of how cheap it was and because it was the perfect time period, five years from age 28 to, to 33. Yep. And and all of that was considered. And they went to him, and I guarantee you they said, look, we don't know what's going on with the next contract with the MLBPA. Jump on this early. We'll start it off. We'll take care of you. It's all guaranteed. Even no trade clause, we'll take care of you. Yeah. And he jumped. And if it's on. unfair, you can opt out after two years. And there you get go. A new, new exactly. Like they're making it all worth. Yeah. They're throwing all these incentives in place. They're going to do something similar for the shortstop position. I know they're going to be looking. They're not going to spend four hundred million, four hundred fifty million dollars on Carlos Correa. Sounds like three hundred is the the number. In long term, I don't know if that's a bad deal or not. He's it's what hard is he? Right? Twenty six years old. Uh twenty seven. He just turned twenty seven. Then yeah, he must have. Yeah, he just turned twenty seven years old, and he, like, let's. I don't even want a ten year contract, but that's ages twenty seven to thirty seven. That could potentially be his elite years, and 
there's nothing to say that a guy like that is going to slow down at all. Like his swing is compact. He's I, pretty good with off speed. Do I think he's the best shortstop in baseball? No, I really don't. No, but, I, but the best shortstop in baseball would would require half billion dollars at this point. Which what did uh, the guy from used to play for the Indians? We'll see. Where, is he? He's not a free agent though, is he? Yeah. Is he? I think so. No, he signed a big deal with the Mets. I thought he did. Uh, I could be wrong. We could look it up. You want me to look it up? Yeah, yeah. Go, What's go his for name? it. One, uh, I can't think of it. <laughs> he might still be on the Indians. I don't know. No, he's the, on the Mets. Sorry, the the Guardians. The Guardians. I, I should I should get used to that. Um, one thing I want to talk about is the shortstop. Obviously, it's a big name. It feels like the the. I don't want to say only hole. About Francisco Lindor. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Um. Uh. I don't think it's the only hole because I think we got to get some depth here. Um, but it feels like the biggest hole um, at shortstop here. The four names that, that everybody's talking about, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, and Javi Baez. I personally don't want anything to do with Javi Baez or Trevor Story. Agreed. Personally. For, like, let's say we're, we're talking big money here. I mean, if you can get them at a discount, obviously you take it. But those are the two that are I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on. But then the drop-off is pretty big after that. And that's where it's really interesting. So let's say Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, that, those are the two that, that's huge because this is, this is what we're seeing after those four are out of the picture. Jose Iglesias is number five. Wow. Like, <laughs> that is eye-opening. Wait, what about the Toronto – oh, he's considered a second baseman. Toronto yeah, Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, Marcus Simeon. Simeon. Yeah. Yeah. I, which I, I wouldn't hate him. I'd love, I would I'd love, love, love him. him. Yeah. Um. I, I guess. Yeah. He should probably be in because he could play short. He played short his entire career until last year. He was on the stacked Blue Jays team and played second. So the tenth best shortstop on this list. Who? <laughs> Andrew Romine. Oh my gosh. That's that. And as soon as I saw that name, I was like, "Holy smokes! We got to get one of these top guys." Well, and that's like, and that's the thing. We've got we've got. How many shortstops in the system? Probably six shortstops in the system better, better. than Andrew Mo- Romine, yeah. but all of them worse than the top four. Yep. Right? Yeah. So, number, and it, really, all of them probably better or equal to Jose Iglesias. It's not like he's going to come in Look, at Iglesias, number five and Iglesias make his problem great. was the bat. Yeah. Right? But it still is. Yeah. He's not fixing, he's not making our lineup any deeper. And we need that. Yeah. As much as we need a defensive shortstop. Which Correa is? We need a bat, a threat, a two eighty hitter that's going to lead this team in it, with a, on both sides of the field. You know what I mean? Like if if it's all about the glove, all right, yeah, let's let's just stick with Zach Short and, and call it a day. Yeah, like that's not that's that's what Iglesias is. Also, right? Francisco Lindor, ten years, three hundred forty one million dollars with a fifty million dollar. Deferred con- part of the contract, which means they're just paying him five dollars or five million dollars a year totally. throughout throughout the contract. Oh my gosh! So really, it, I mean, it says three forty one. That's probably against the salary cap. Okay. Uh, it, in reality, it's three hundred ninety one million dollars over the next ten years. So, are we willing to invest in in Carlos Correa or? Uh, I mean, okay. are you? For it's, for a two eighty right. two sixty to two eighty hitter for in twenty six to thirty okay. bombs, the one side of me says it's not my money. It doesn't affect me. There's no salary cap. Like just spend like a drunken sailor. I don't give a crap. It's not my money. Yeah, 
go spend and get Carlos Correa. But when you're comparing what Carlos Correa is compared to Francisco Lindor, I think it's a... It's it, it, At least the market think, is not saying he's I better. I think Carlos Correa is being overvalued at that point. Potentially. Because his injury, he's been injury prone. He's He doesn't have... like. On, like, he doesn't have crazy pop. He doesn't have crazy batting average. He's just good. He's a good hitter, and he's really good defensively. You know what That's this does? what he is. You know what this does, though? If Let's just say, let's. I want to just throw out the, the opportunity. If Carlos Correa is a Tiger and we sign him, what this does is third base becomes potentially even Spencer Torkelson. No. Next year or maybe first base next year. He's coming up next year, I'm telling you. He's coming in next year. He hit 30 bombs and hit 280 yeah. with with the 400 on base. Like the dude is legit. So let's just say Tor- Spencer Torkelson comes up next year, like we expect him to. He's going to fill third base or first base. What this does with shortstop is now you have one of the elite shortstops in the in the game, and maybe not the best, maybe not even top five, but you have one of the top seven best yeah. shortstops in the game with Corey Seager or or with uh, Carlos Correa. Then you look at third base, first base. You got your young stud. Then you also have Jonathan Scope, who's who, and Yammer Can- Candelario, who's like, I would say they're both pretty average, but but kind of gamers. But I think time. that they would be very good as the six, seven, eight hitter. There you go. I'm, that's that's where I'm getting at. And then you, what are you doing now? You have Willie Castro, you have <laughs> Harold Castro, you have Nico Grisham, who I think is out of the picture yeah, at I that don't point. Want, I don't, but I you don't, have you have Jonathan Scope. Uh, Harold Castro and Willie Castro battling over second base. All right, that with all your young prospects that are coming up at the same time, like that's filled out your infield, and we've thrown away Candelario potentially. Yeah, you filled out your infield and upgraded it massively at the most important positions on the infield. That I mean, what makes the Astros so good? What makes the Astros so good every single year is their infield. You have Bragman locking down third base. You have your shortstop and second base combo is two of the best in baseball. And then you just throw in some decent, talented outfielders, and every single time you're good. Yeah. One thing that I think that people aren't talking about with the Korea connection, and this is where where I kind of want to wrap wrap up the Korea side, and we can talk a little yeah, bit more ahead. about what we want to um, – I'll, I'll let you put a bow on, on the Tigers talk here. Um, but one thing that – so everybody's talked about the the connection with AJ Hinch, right? And how yeah. um, that gives the Tigers an advantage to sign a guy like Correa. What I think, what more importantly this does for me is it's like, who knows best if Correa is worth thirty hundred million dollars? Who knows best what Correa is to a lineup in a defense in, in inside the clubhouse? Is AJ Hinch? And if Alavila and and uh, Illich. I, and this is just a hope. Is like, you better be relying on on AJ Hinch and be like, is it worth it? Like, be honest here and let's talk about like how important is the shortstop position first of all? How important is, um, like just th- is this type of player to to a lineup and where we're at in the the scenario? Because look, AJ Hinch was also part of Korea coming up through it, right? And that, that's a little different than what he's going to be coming into to be that leader. But, like, A.J. Hinch knows what he's worth. And if the Tigers go out and spend $300 million tomorrow morning, which I'm sure they're going to do as soon as we, we get off the air like they always do, big breaking <laughs> news is going to happen. But, like, if they do it, I'm all behind it. If they say, 
it's not worth it and they decide not to overspend, quote-unquote overspend on a guy like Correa, I'm going to support that too. I don't think a shortstop is the be-all, end-all heading into the season and in the development of this team. But what I'm hoping and just freaking better be happening is you guys are giving, and I'm saying you guys as Avila and Illich better be saying, Hinch, you tell us what he's worth. You tell us what you want us to do here because Hinch has an opt-out after this season. And if the Tigers aren't trusting Hinch to make these type of decisions and just going balls to the wall, all in, if he's willing to and saying that he's worth it or whoever it is, like, he's going to walk. He's going to be like, see ya. Like, I don't trust you guys. I, I'm, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, which is my biggest concern with the Tigers is saying, yeah, or we're not going to spend a lot of money. Oh, we're going to spend a lot of money. We're going to do, like. You were talking on both sides of your mouth. I, I did that, yeah, for the people that aren't watching <laughs> yeah. live. Um, <laughs> but it's just like. It's impressive. <laughs> I'm just, you have everything in front of you. You have the best, one of the best managers in the game, if not the best manager in the game, proven last year. If you're not trusting him to just say, you tell us what to do, then see ya. Like, he's going to walk and we're done. We're starting from square one So in a lot of ways. This is my impression after the end of year press conference. I brought that up on purpose. Yeah, yep. It was very important to me because I saw the dynamic between Al Avila and AJ Hinch. Avila, I, I, I will give him credit for this and this alone, really, is one, he's drafted pretty good, but more than that, he clearly has given uh, his group, his coaches around him, his scouts around him, the freedom to actually make real decisions. And he trusts them because I don't think he trusts himself. I don't think he's that hard of a worker. I don't think he's that... You're talking about Avila? Yeah, I don't think Avila really dies like, in I'm that the face. deep. I'm the face. I'm going to put a little people around me. I really, I really believe that. He trusts his scouts 100%. Why? He came from being a scout. So he's, he's saying, these guys dove in. I'm going to trust their expertise. They actually had power to draft the people they wanted. The scouts did. The scouting director had the had the, the power to draft his really? his people. Yes. So Avila trusted him in that, in that 100%. That tells me that Avila understands where he belongs and where he doesn't belong. And in the press conference, I saw the same thing with AJ Hinch. Hinch was answering all the questions about development, about playing time, about um, bringing in pitchers and how they reacted in difficult situations, future plans with them. He was talking about all that stuff and way more elegantly than than Avila was. I think Avila put AJ, AJ Hinch in place to manage and to have control of this team. I think he put his scouts in place because they're elite scouts and they know how to scout and they pick the right people and they develop the right way. I think he has minorly coaches that are in place to develop players the right way. I think Alavila gets out of his own way and that's the best thing I can say about him. Yeah, and one another thing like to kind of come full circle back to to, to the the lines it's like they took a massive chance. The ownership in Avila took a massive chance by bringing in AJ Hinch because that's the type of thing that people weren't weren't happy with heading yeah. in, and they have been. Now we love them. Now we love them, and I always did. They've been proven. Yeah, I mean, we were we were all yeah, we were yeah. all for it. Um, but like that was that's something that can turn people away. And there's still callers and texters and into sports talk radio stations that are like, oh, I never trust a, a cheater. Blah blah blah. 
Man, they took a chance, and that's something that the Lions never do. And here we are, like the the Tigers have been benefited from it. They literally escalated this rebuild, um, probably full two years by hiring the right manager and the right guy for that type of job. I completely agree and with you. That is something that that Lions ownership does not do. That is something that <laughs> they don't take chances. And I mean, hats off to Avila. I think it's more of an ownership decision than a Avila decision. For but they went out and did it, yeah. and it was awesome. And I hope they find a way to lock this guy up and not let him walk. And you need to prove to him that you're all in right here, right now. And that's why the Tigers are all in right here, right now. And that's why we're talking about Correa. That's why we just signed um, Rodriguez, the fifth best um, pitcher, uh, according to MLB.com. Like as a free agent. Like that's why we're doing these things. And do not let it slip through your fingers. And I, I'm I'm sitting here right here right now I'm saying if they don't overspend or spend on a shortstop, there is a reason. And it is a hinch reason. And if it's not, he will walk. And that that's where we're at right now. Is I think what we're seeing is uh, organization trusting in their manager, trusting in what he's done, trusting in his opinion on all of these players and what, how you build a contending uh, baseball team, and they're they're all in, and that's where I think they're at right now. And like I'm yeah. saying, there's that opportunity to, I, I could be saying this, the complete opposite next year because if if uh, AJ Hinch decides to opt out and walks. That tells me that they didn't do what I'm saying they're doing right now. And that's why it should be really exciting for a, a Tigers fan because, look, I'm not saying they're going to turn the corner and, and be a contender next year, but taking a step and in investing in this team because Tigers fans show up. When you're investing in it, they're there. And I'm just oh, I'm yeah. so excited for it. Again, not saying they're going to be con- true contenders, they've already but shown. They're stepping, it's a step in the right direction. That's all I want to see. And they've already started investing, and that's the best part of it. Yeah. I will I will point out 29th on the starting pitcher list. By, by the way, the starting pitchers, holy That cow. is deep. There are tons <laughs> There's some of starting big pitchers. names on there. 25, what? you said, right? 29. 29? Yep. Chichi Gonzalez. Yeah? Yeah. Never heard of him. Oh, okay. where, where is he at? Formerly known as Alex Gonzalez, Oral Roberts he alumni. Oral Roberts alumni. Oh, I, he played against him? <laughs> yeah, I hit, a home, I hit a home run off him in 2011. When he was a freshman, I was a senior. And then he changed his name the day after because a catcher he at Oakland that. University just hit a home run. I know, him. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that when he changed his yep. name? <laughs> no, uh, that's good. I had to do I mean, it. Chichi Gonzalez, guys. All right, I want him. Put a, put a bow on it for us, Ryan, and we can get into our picks if you're cool uh, with that. Yeah, I mean, look, Tigers, they're Actually, we've got to talk CBA, too. Give us a like. Give us a bow on, on the Tigers and then tell us what's going on with the CBA. I want you to do the CBA because I, I know the date. I know the deadline or whatever, but... um. I don't. I'm not really sure how that really impacts like long term or what the expectations right. are with that. Put a bow on Tigers. Tigers. Okay. Tigers had a, took a massive step forward. They went from the first overall pick into the what the the third fifth overall pick or something. This this, this last said? year was third, I think, with Jackson Job. Yep. And now the twelfth. And yeah, tenth or twelfth. Somewhere in there. Yeah, that that's a big difference. It's a big step forward. And not only that, we have Casey Mize, we have Tarek Scuba, we have Matt Manning, we have these young guys. We have uh, you know Matthew Boyd, hopefully coming back from injury. We had a lot of injuries along the way. We have a lot of pieces in place with this team, 
And again, when we're talking about going against and getting these guys, this is also with the assumption that the the minor league talent that we've invested in starting pitchers, relief pitchers that are coming up, along with Spencer Torkelson, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, Riley Green, outfielder, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. When we had guys like Akil Badu this year come and step up, and then Harold Castro, which we called early on, step up and hit 272, 82, 90, whatever he hit this year. Those are the names that we need to get to know. Those are the names that are going to be the fillers, the 7th, 8th, and ninth hitters in this lineup long-term, while these young stars are going to be stepping up and filling the gaps. And pretty soon our, outfielder, our outfielders are going to be Akil Badu plus a couple of all-stars. You know, and then yeah. and then we're gonna have a, an infielder in uh, one of the Castros, Willie or Harold Castro, and then a bunch of all stars, and that turns into a winning formula. We're not many games away. We are four games away from being five hundred. We're not many games away. We're not much talent away from being a ninety win playoff contending team. No, I, that that's really exciting, and I, I hope you're right. Um, I'm not gonna overreact if it's not this year, though. You know what I mean? If it, no, it if, doesn't if have they, to be. If they lose more games than they did this this previous season, I don't think we should overreact. Tarek Skubal could take a step back. I that doesn't. Casey change, Mines could take a step. That back. doesn't like, change my mind about them. That ta- no. that changes my mind. <laughs> I I think they're going to take a step forward the next year after that. We're in this for the long haul. Yeah. Another key thing that that we've kind of touched on a little bit, but uh, the CBA and the lockout. There, it sounds like it's inevitable that there's going to be a lockout. Um, one thing that I, I want to keep an eye on with the CBA, and I don't want to get too into it because it gets way messier than, than I think any of us could really understand in a lot of ways. Um, f- from what it sounds like is the Players Association is working really hard at um, getting rid of the service time as the free agency market um, for what people... So, so basically for the people that don't understand is like a certain amount of games in the MLB, um, you turn into a um, basically... It's sorry, I just screwed up. No, you're good. Oh boy, I just really screwed this up. Oh boy. Anyways, I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, sorry, there we go. I got it. Uh, but anyways, so basically, the CBA that we're that we're looking at here is is the the key part is obviously there's there's a lot of like cap issues and luxury tax stuff that that can play a role but one thing that the uh, MLBPA is is trying to get is the service time so basically for the people that don't understand is like a certain amount of games in the MLB you lose service time that becomes a free agent uh sooner so what you've seen go back to like Chris Bryant with the, with the Cubs is they they held him in the minors for i want to say it was like i think it's like the first 30 days of MLB season, and then all of a sudden you have one more year of control. They're trying to get rid of that, and what they're trying to do is make it so it's an age-based thing. And this plays a big role with the, with the Detroit Tigers because everybody's talking about service time when it comes to Torkelson and Green. Do you want to start them in the MLB, or do you want to you know, let them kind of start in the minors, get that 30-ish days? I, I don't remember exactly how many days it is, Ryan, um, but... Do you want to control that? And if the new CBA, let's let's get rid of a lockout possibility of no season because I don't think that's going to happen. There's too much money to lose. But if all of a sudden it becomes an age-based um, control time and free agent time, that's when you start 
all right, yeah, we can start green in the MLB. We can start Torkelson yep. in the MLB, and that is going to be very interesting to see. Like, it, there's a lot of other stuff that can happen, um, but that's the thing that I think is most eye-opening to me because I want to see these guys. I want I, I don't want them to worry about uh, service time. I want to see these guys play now because I think they've proven that they can, um, and I hope that it's just not an excuse. But at the same time, if it, you can use it as an excuse, do it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like kind of one of those Jekyll and Hyde things. Like, do what, yeah. what do I really want? But I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting. And it, it's going to be long and messy. It definitely impacts the free agent market. And I think that's why it was important to get into the Eduardo Rodriguez signing early on like we got and we got rid of our Barnhart signing with the catcher so we've taken we've checked a couple of boxes there's still some other stuff that they're evaluating but these early signings were pretty impactful Tigers are doing it better than any other team at this point yeah so you left me by myself can I leave you by yourself and explain betting hero yeah absolutely all right let me hit a bumper for you Where, where's my longest bumper <laughs> <I don't> even... <laughs> it's gonna be that <laughs> follow us on Instagram Facebook Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports. All right, so that kind of wraps up the Tigers talk. I want to get in to explain betting here at this point before we get into our picks. Guys, bettinghero.com. So there, there's all kinds of platforms out there from any kind of, you know, like if you go to any podcast at all, they're going to be talking about something, some betting platform out there. Um, everybody's doing it at this point. There's always promo codes available. The the pitch for bettinghero.com is number one, they work with all of the betting platforms available in your state at the time. So if you live in Michigan, if you live in Florida, if you live in Texas, doesn't matter. They're going to say whatever's uh, legal for you to download, they're going to give you all the options that you have. Then they make the shopping easy. They're going to give you the best, best promo code for each one of those betting platforms and make it simple. They're going to lay it out for you for each one of those, and you can just do your shopping. That is the point of this. So if you have bettinghero.com, uh, it, it will give you the DraftKings. It will give you the the um, some of the others. BetMGM. BetMGM. It gives you all of those, and then it just it lays it out. It's intended to do the work for you so you have more time to just spend with your family, more time to watch the games, more time to, to worry about betting. And um, so, again – bettinghero.com promo code MIBETS they'll give you the best promo codes available you're going to get some free money out of this like anywhere um, but they make it easy for you so bettinghero.com promo code MIBETS perfect that means we're doing our picks let's do it last Ooh. week Micah went 5-3 and three. Kyle 4-4 four and four. Ryan 2-6 and six. and I went 4-4 four and four as well um, as with as well as Kyle, I should I screw that up. Anyways, Micah is still leading the way, forty-two and thirty-five overall. Kyle's one game back at forty-one thirty-six. You are a few games back, four four back from that. There. Hurt. That was a bad week. Thirty-seven and forty, and I am I thirty-six and forty-one. So um, still anybody's game. Things things can change quickly. Um, as we normally do, or always do. We're going to start Thursday night football. We got the Patriots at the Falcons. Falcons are plus six. All right, Ryan, do you want me to tell you their picks? Yeah, of course. They're not here. They don't deserve to. Okay. I just didn't want it to affect your, your pick if you didn't want it to. Oh, just go ahead. All right. Both Micah and Kyle. You cannot are... impact my pick. All right. Doesn't both, matter what you Both say. Kyle and Micah are going to take the Patriots that minus six. Where are you going with this one? 
Well, no, the Falcons plus six. You're going Falcons plus six? No, I'm just saying Falcons are plus six. Yes, they are. Yeah. Did I say it wrong? No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I'm just buying time. I'm going to go Patriots as well on this. They've been looking really good. I've believed in Mac Jones from the beginning. I yeah. was a big Mac Jones fan. I said that he was equivalent or better than Trevor Lawrence. People gave me crap for that at the time. I'm I'm still owning it to this day. I think he's a real quarterback, and they found something special in him. All right, I, I'm going to take the Falcons here just because a home underdog kind of – I mean – Six points is a lot, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with the the six points close game. Uh, moving down to the Cowboys at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite. Both Micah and Kyle are gonna take the Cowboys. Ah, that's that that feels right to take the Cowboys, especially if they're their dominant win this last week. But the Chiefs also had their dominant win, right? Seem to figure something out. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this definitely impacts my choice here. I'm going to go Chiefs. I probably would have gone Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Chiefs as well. Um, next, we got the Lions at the Browns. Are a ten point favorite. Kyle's taking the Lions. Mike is taking the Browns. What are you doing, Ryan? What do you think about this game? <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no reason to take the Lions here. <laughs> no reason, but, other but, than the fact that it's ten points and that's a lot yeah. of points in the end. Wait, do they do they still have Jared Goff? <laughs> He's still on the team. Oh, okay, I'm gonna I go checked. Browns. Browns. I mean, Browns if, if if he all right, let's say if he doesn't play, if he doesn't play, would, I, would I you would switch have, it? I would consider it more switching. Yes, yeah. this is an easy choice because of Jared Goff for yeah. me. Right here, right now, you got to take the Browns. The Browns. This is a they they looked awful last week. They did. So they went like they proved people wrong the two weeks ago. Then they prove everybody wrong. It's like, yeah, they're all right. They figured it out, and all of a sudden they suck again. They look awful they're for the, a lot the, of reasons. One of the most frustrating teams to bet. I would never bet on a Browns game. Well, the Ernest, Ernest, Ernest Johnson, yeah. uh, that like kind of had a really good game for them. Was their only offensive <laughs> weapon. Yeah. It's like you can't even blame the loss on not having Nick Chubb because he, he played. played pretty, it was, he played that great. Was, that was put up Chubb numbers. A bad, bad performance put up by Chumbers. Baker. Chumbers. He just did, though. Oh, I mean, you can't yeah. do that to me, and I can't uh, control it. Browns. <laughs> He's F, taking the Browns. I'm F taking chump. the Browns. Uh, we're going to move to some college. That's not the right one. To the right one. the college one. There we go. We got SMU at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is minus 12. Kyle's taking SMU. Mike is taking Cincinnati. What are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, Cincy. Yeah, I'm taking Cincinnati, too. They, I'm not betting against they them. They need to put... Lots of points up, yeah. Because it's all about style points for them at this point. Absolutely, <laughs> it, they need they need to do it um, and do it big. They've got some big time athletes. I'm not betting against them. Yeah, Ritter. Ritter. You good? You want me to yell at you yet? Yeah, no. no. Just I, hit the space bar. I gotta get the well, the space bar. That's different. Have um, you done that yet? I, no, I don't think it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna yeah, show it off at some point. All right, Ryan, try. what's your what's your pick? Space bar. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do a space bar next. But I got to figure out why the screens are off. I don't know all that stuff. All right, anyways, we got the Hazen Blue Crushable New England IPA uh, featuring Citra and Mosaic hops and brewed with real blueberries, 5.5% alcohol by volume, 20 IBUs. It's our Hazen Blue pick of the week, uh, courtesy of Big Lake Brewing. They actually just came out with another one. I don't know if you saw it on the Instagram. The Big Haze. Really? Oh, yeah. 
So instead of the big house, it's the big haze, and it's a picture of the. Oh, no way! It looks Same incredible. beer, different beer. It's a truer IPA. It's closer to the the Sparty Party, like seven percent. I, I got to get my hands on. Something. Yeah, we got to. I was at Cisneros today, and I they didn't have it yet. So we got to find that one because man, they do IPAs. They do some really good IPAs. Anyways, we got the Michigan Wolverines are at Maryland Terrapins. They are plus fourteen and a half. Both Kyle and Mike are taking Michigan. Ryan, you're not going a, a different direction here, are you? I'm tempted to. Yeah, I think this is more of a trap game than I'm giving it credit for. Um, no, Michigan's going to take care of business. Their their defensive line is going to get after Tua. That, that's the biggest thing with me. It's like, Tunga. do I think that Michigan's going to score like an ungodly amount of points and like 40 points? No. But I just don't see Maryland being able to score more than 15. They'll move you the ball. You know what I mean? They'll move a the ball. But, yeah, they're not going to. You're right, yeah. That's that's the way I look at it. Um, I gotta move. Oh, watch this, right? See that? It worked. What'd you worked. do? I, I use the space bar like you asked me to. Yeah, but what did what happened? What's the difference? Nothing. You just asked me to use the space yeah, bar. Yeah, but you're looking at you bar. only, right? No, no. Oh. This side is that side's us, or what people are seeing. Wait, hold on. That we gotta side. we gotta spend the next five minutes. You want to talk about it? Talking about Straight this. Out. Should <laughs> I stop the music? And just, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, we got our Sparty Party pick of the week. It's New England IPA with Mandarina, Bavaria, and Amarillo hops. 7% alcohol by volume, 53 IBUs. It is a true blue IPA. So Bavaria. Such a great, great beer. You, where, where is Bavaria? Do you know where that is? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's in... Uh, Germany, right? With a specific location within Germany. Hey Siri, where's Bavaria? <laughs> Just gonna answer. Oh, it's in Siri. Uh, Bavaria anyways, is anyways. in Selena. Selena, what? Kansas. <laughs> no, it can't be right. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, good, great beer. The Sparty Party, seriously, great, great beer. Any great of the beer. Michigan State fans out there, please go get yourself this. You're gonna, you're gonna like. First of all, you're going to look good with the Sparty yeah. Party on there. But second, you're going to fall in love with this beer because it is... It is a great, great it, beer. It's awesome. It is one of my favorite beers. Uh, Michigan State is at Ohio State. Ohio State, a 19-point favorite. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's a lot of points. A lot of points. I'm guessing Kyle's taking Sparty. Both Kyle and Mike are taking Sparty. Oh, so Mike, t- Mike actually texted me this. He goes, are you getting back into sports gambling? I'm taking a little hiatus. Um like thinking Michigan State is like easy money. I ain't touching this game. Like personally, betting on I would never bet I, on this. Game. I agree with you. I think this game is scary. It, it's gonna be like um, you could predict that Michigan Michigan State was gonna be close because of the differences in them. <laughs> I but, said it was gonna be a blow. Yeah, you did. But Ohio State though, man, they could they could blow Sparty out. They could. They could, especially the way the pass defense. Should I get the music going? We can, yeah, one, one more time. Yeah, I'll cut it. I'll cut it if I have. To. Okay, uh, but no, I. They I could mean, blow them out. Yeah, they could. And this this game could be out of hand by the second quarter, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think Sparty's going to put up a really good fight because I think they're a really good team. I believe in them. I agree. I really just think Ohio State has that crazy potential that I just I'm scared of. I'm scared of. I'm, I'm going to stay away from it too. Uh, I'm going to go Ohio State on this because, not because I think Michigan State's going to lose by that much, but because I want to make up some ground. 
I think both reasons. Like, I think, I think Ohio State's going to blow out Michigan State. I think Ohio State's going to blow out Michigan at this point. I really do. So, I'm taking Ohio State as well. Um, look, they're it's good. nothing. They're really they're, good. They're a lot better than people I, I, I realize they are. They're the quietest great team I've ever seen. I know. I, well, C.J. Stroud is amazing, and they didn't know that until week four. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and once they figured that out, it's like, oh, they are really good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I'm taking them. <laughs> I don't know. I hate doing it. But I do, too. I hate I it. did. Um, anyways, I didn't want to give up. We a- missed Oregon and Utah. Did, did you do that one? I don't remember that one. Oh, no. I, I think, uh, yeah. I think I think I did forget that one. Did you skip that? I must have. I didn't. I didn't write down what you what you took. So yeah. My, my apologies on that one. Um, we got Oregon at Utah. Oregon. That's kind of Oregon. A... Not Oregon, but Oregon. I've heard it both ways. Yeah, you're a Michigander <laughs> if you're going to say Oregon. All right. <laughs> Anyways, Oregon yeah. at Utah minus three. That is the strangest one. Yeah. Out of all of them. Yeah. I'm How taking... did I do that? How did I skip that? I don't know, but I'm taking Oregon easy. Like lock it in. This is one that I'm probably gonna sign up on four platforms for and <laughs> just money on. Yeah, Oregon. Uh, so Kyle took Oregon. Micah took Utah. Ooh, wow, bold. I think that's just a hope more than anything. Yeah, he's trying to buy it on, uh, get a game on everybody I, else. Well, no, I, I mean like he just hopes Oregon falls. And gets oh, a second, got it. Sorry, right. loss. Understood. This is my guess, but I'm gonna take Oregon. Um. I just don't understand. That is the weirdest, weirdest spread. Again, I wouldn't touch that game either, personally. I might. You, yeah. Might when touch that it a when lot. that happen when this type of spread happens, I feel like something is happening behind the scenes that nobody knows, and that's scary. Especially if it stays there. If it stays at minus three, look out because that is, that's I don't know. That, that's that's weird to me. Really weird. Might throw a bunch. It's not like Utah's this. like a. Tough place to go and play. Like, yeah, when did they play? Because I might again. I might spend hundreds of dollars on this. Really? Game. Maybe. We'll see. Bettinghero.com. Promo code. And my bets. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough of the betting. What do we gotta do? Beer grade? I think so. Jump the volume up. Are we three hours in yet? How do we always? We just hit two hours. Before we do, I want to once again remind everyone of our partner, Siciliano's Market. They're simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State University's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether you know what you want or you need some help from their expert staff, Siciliano's Market is the best place for that. They not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beers from across our great nation, they're individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. Along with their great selection of craft beer, they have specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. They also have the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. We love that Siciliano's Market is part of the state of my sports family and is who we visit to help us choose our Michigan beers for each and every episode. So please check them out and let them know that we sent you. Ryan, what are you drinking? What? Oh, okay. Um, I am drinking blueberry cream ale from Sheboygan Brewing Company. This is uh, fresh from northern Michigan. That's what they claim. Um, 5.6% alcohol by volume, 14 IBUs, uh, a light-bodied ale brewed with lactose sugar and fermented over blueberries. Uh, Fresh fruit aroma bursts from this deliciously 
uh, creamy brew. So I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't taste a lot of blueberry, but I think it helps with the contrast with the sweetness that, that the blueberries bring versus the, the I don't know, the lactose, I guess, um, or, or helps with that, I guess, to counteract all the, the bitterness from the beer. And man, this is, this is a really good beer. Like this surprised me. I started drinking it and, uh, and it was good, but the more you drink it, the better it is. And I think that creamy ale just like brings you back for more. Like it just, it's such a comfortable flavor that you just want to keep drinking more and more of it. Yeah. And, um, like I'm just putting myself in a scenario going down an aisle and seeing this, seeing this label with the sales on Lake Michigan, show, obviously show the label. I don't know this, where, this one right here. What, this one? Yeah. No. Nope, Dude, one. they can't see that. That one right there. No, they can't. Oh, no. oh shoot. I just moved to me. Give me the grade. Hurry up. I'm Anyways. The space bar. <laughs> Stupid space Anyways, bar. Anyways, this, this, like, this would stand out to me, and I would just think about how good this was long term, like three, three beers in, and I would definitely get it. I would 100% buy this beer again. Um, I'm going to go 8.3. It was just such a smooth easy drinking type of beer it did not explode one way or another it was just it was just really good what was your score Sorry. 8.3 very very good score it's like my it's it's my kind of <laughs> it's kind of your like if i have zone. a if i have a great beer that i just really love i'm gonna go an eight eight point three almost always if it's amazing i'm gonna just jump to nines like, yeah <laughs> there's no no in between all right i'm drinking all seasons ale uh it's a easy drinking beer that is never out of season. It is from Tri City Brewing Company in Bay City, Michigan. Very, I mean, look at for the people. I don't know if people can see it. It's hard to see with this lighting. Bay City's but. just left and up of the thumb. Up and left. Oh, Pepper's Pepper's taking down the the background. Oh, oh boy, Pepper, stop. It's Pepper. Oh my gosh! She can't believe you did that. It's only on you. My stinking we've cat. We've saved it. We've saved it. All right. So anyways, far. I'm just gonna <laughs> Go try to it. end this quick. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a seven eight. It's a good good beer. Um, <laughs> easy to drink beer, but that's just stinking pepper. What a stinking cat. That darn cat. Can't live with him. Can't live without him. Anyways, that was my grade. I would like give it a seven point eight. Yeah, I did. I'm just going to keep it on me all the day. That was episode 131. Thank you for recording, Ryan. Oh, yeah, you bet. Pepper's just Thank you all for watching foot. live. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. Peace, everybody. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions, to the Tigers, to the Pistons, to Michigan and Michigan State, and everything in between. We're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.